0: everyone I want to tell you about Christmas town there were objects so peculiar they were not to be believed all around things to tantalize my brain it's a world unlike anything I've ever seen and as hard as I tried I can't seem to describe like a most improbable dream but you must believe when I tell you this It's as real as my skull, and it does exist! Here, let me show you.
1: Happy holidays, listeners, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Film Effect Podcast, giving you full-effect deep dives for the Film Effect Archive. One of the two films we're covering for Christmas is a funny one because it was initially slated for this year's Horathon, but then it got pushed back due to my illness right in the middle of all things going on in October, but here we are now, finally, and I couldn't be happier about it because the film that, you know, it, it can be interpreted as either a Halloween film, a Christmas film, or both. So, without wasting any more time, I'm Ed. I'm Jocelyn. And this is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas.
2: Welcome to an extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. Open your mind and let yourself go to a place where every day is Halloween. And every night, Jack Skellington... I AM
3: THE PUMPKIN
0: KING! (laughs) ...dreams of something different. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! Whoa! Whoa. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This (laughs) isn't What is this?
2: Haven't you heard of peace on earth and goodwill toward men? Touchstone Pictures presents the enchanting story of two very special dreamers and the holiday spirit that brought them together. From the imagination of Tim Burton comes The Nightmare Before Christmas.
3: And what did Santa bring
4: you, honey?
1: In the nightmare before Christmas, Jack Skellington, King of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion. So, before we get into anything, I just wanted to once again wish all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas, and to also take this time to welcome back Jocelyn to the podcast. After which, it feels like it's been an eternity since the last episode you were on. For how long has it been? I mean, welcome back, first and foremost. Um,
4: <laughs> it's been six months. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't think I mean, I've done any... I mean, if you would
1: cast a what was the last actual episode you were on?
4: You know, I was trying to think of that earlier. Cause my friend, I can't remember. My friend... Remember my friend commented on the post saying that she wanted to listen to a couple of our episodes. I was going to send her all my deep dives that I've done. And I was like, shit.
1: Where did it begin? I again? can't
4: even remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to go Obviously, back to Honestly, I, I don't
1: know. I, I haven't... I didn't actually, like... I got the, the list of episodes that we've done to see like I couldn't pinpoint which one you were on
4: right I think I've, I know I've done like I think I've done four or five total
1: was drive the last one Maybe. drive
4: it was drive yep. And I that was, was like, about six months ago yeah it was a while yeah
1: yeah I, I, good okay. times drive yeah Solid I can't episode.
4: believe I couldn't even remember that that was a great episode yeah but um yeah. I know one of my favorite movies and I forgot that that's the one I did oh well
1: well. speaking of favorites, we are of course talking about *The Nightmare Before Christmas* for this episode. A film that I didn't really think I loved as much as I did until I sat down and rewatched it last night. This film is great. This I, I love so much about this. This was just really refreshing to sit down and enjoy. It's a film like before we started recording, I was telling you about how. It had actually been probably about 15, 20 years since I actually sat down and watched the movie. Uh-huh. Now, of course, this film is always playing every Halloween season at my house. It's just one of those, it's 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 one of the usual films that you play. And it's always background noise. I'm not really ever paying attention to it or whatnot, you know, sitting here. A lot of the stuff sounded familiar. A lot of the songs, of course, it's like, I, I just heard it yesterday because I hear it every year. but. Yeah. I I, like, I haven't actually just sat down and watched the film and did nothing else but watch it for it's been like I said almost 15 20 years around that um, and, and Madeline's doing so older yeah, too Madeline,
4: yeah Mike. and I feel like it's like my kids watch it like A couple times a year so it's it's definitely something that like i'm used to seeing it is more of like a background thing for me nowadays just because Mm -hmm. you know it's them choosing to watch it and i'll you know just be like playing on my phone or something like that um but yeah it's it's great it was nice like like you said to actually just sit down and like put my you know 100 like full attention into it and kind of reminisce of you know this movie that i loved so much as a kid growing up (laughs)
1: Yeah, a lot of those feelings just came back right away. And it—it, it, I, I really, I pleasantly enjoyed this rewatch. So, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversations to be had, though. So uh, we can start off with the conversations with our first time watching the film. First time viewings. Oh,
3: my goodness. I remember the first time I saw that picture. I thought it was just wonderful.
1: Corey and I actually saw us in the theater together when we were younger. Um, oh, that's I remember cool. his, his mother taking us to see it, it, it I, I, I want to say I'm 90% positive we went the Golden Ring to see this um, I, I, I name dropped Golden Ring because this, this dates back from like the Sean days on the podcast we always talk about Golden Ring it's kind of a running joke so yes <laughs> Golden Ring is where I saw this with Corey during its initial theatrical release I know this movie has been released in theaters like umpteen times but this was the initial 93 release Golden Ring me and Corey. His mom is Becky. Yeah, how about you?
4: Um same thing. I I don't it might have been Golden Ring now that you mentioned it cuz I was <laughs> thinking earlier that I thought it was East Point, but there was I no don't East know East Point yet. I was going to say I don't think East, East Point, Point was around yet. Yeah, so it had to have been Golden Ring movies. Um Yeah. Yeah, I remember my mom taking me to see it. Um I think I honestly I think it was only my second movie I'd ever seen in a movie theater. I remember Mm. The Little Mermaid was the first movie I'd ever seen, like ever. And that I think that was like ninety one or ninety two. And then I'm pretty sure Nightmare Before Christmas was the second movie I'd ever seen in theaters.
1: Yeah, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but my first theater experience was Beetlejuice back in eighty eight. So still we got that Tim Burton connection. Yeah. that was definitely my first one at North Point Theatres.
4: Oh, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Alright, let's talk about the film's box office numbers in the form of box office receipts.
2: Get receipts.
1: So the Nightmare Before Christmas had its premiere on October 9th, 1993 at the New York Film Festival in New York City. Before being released October 29th, 1993 from Touchstone Pictures, please note I said Touchstone Pictures and not the other company. It opened <laughs> up across 1,654 screens, grossing $8.2 million opening weekend. That's enough for first place. Second weekend, it only dropped 6.5%. $7.6 million, still first place. Ultimately, this film has grossed. Now, this is total since its initial release. Now, this is not just the initial release. Since '93, this film has grossed. $101.2 million dollars theatrically against a $24 million dollar budget. Now, two things. I said Touchstone, not Walt Disney. Because this has not become a Disney film until about 10 years ago or so. I'm pretty sure I had that in my notes of when exactly it happened, but this was released under the Touchstone banner, which right. was uh, Disney's uh, more like a lot of action films are more adult m- uh, material. Yeah, I was gonna say that it, it was
4: it was still Disney, but not under the Disney like brand. I yeah, guess because yeah.
1: Disney owned a lot of companies. It <laughs> there was, was no not Castle at the
4: beginning, or you know, <laughs> no.
1: Disney had Touchstone Pictures, Disney had um, Hollywood Pictures, they had Miramax and Dimension. So anything like Buena Vista that was MGM, MGM too, right? No, no. MGM was just branded for the park. They, that oh, was never okay. um, a studio thing. Hmm. Huh, I didn't know. Um. That. Yeah, I can see where your head's at, though. Obviously, because yeah. <laughs> the uh, th- the theme park. The theme but park. Now, yeah. No, no ties as far as the uh, uh, the the actual films released by MGM and Disney. So yeah, uh, and the other thing is that um, this film has been re- released so many times in theaters. Like I said, it's it's. Um, It's it's 101.2 million just theatrically because this film has had a lot of re-releases, different kinds of re-releases, all of which we will get into. But before we get into all that, let's do repeat out top five. Rob, it's your turn. Okay, I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones. Track ones. Janie Jones, Clash. From the Clash. Let's get it on. Marvin Gay from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, smells like teen spirit off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough. Not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return?
2: Lewis, so you can uh, get up Shut uh, up, shut up. White Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not on mine.
1: Massive Attack, no protection. The song is Radiation. For this episode, we are going to talk top five favorite Tim Burton films. I know he didn't direct this, but this film has Tim Burton stamped all fucking over it. And so we're going to honor him by talking about our favorite films personally. I'm going to kick it off. With, I have one honorable mention. Now, I know I, I should have more probably, but I'm, I'm a Burton fan. I just don't love Burton the way a lot of people do. Um, so my, my list is probably going to be a little bit different than the average Burton favorites list. So bear with me. <laughs> well,. Honorable mention is Ed Wood. I love Ed Wood. I really, really do. I've always been a big fan of it. Um, anything Johnny Depp does with uh, Burton, any, You know, really, anything Johnny Depp touched in the 90s is like gold to gold, me. Gold, yeah. You know? So, and this is right in the middle of, of that, that run that he had. And everybody else, Martin Landau, Bill Murray, Patricia Arquette. I mean, I can go on about that film. But uh, it, it, it just narrowly, it just missed the top 5. Number 5 though, Edward Scissorhands I mean, what world am I going to put Ed, or yeah Ed, am I going to put Ed over Edward same name, but now um, <laughs> I, I love Edward Scissorhands and I'd be remiss if I did not put that film on my list and just kept it on the honorable mentions, I couldn't do that Um, it, it's a film that we inevitably have to cover one of these days because um, I have a lot to say about it but i'm going to refrain from that right now and just say number 5 for me edwards is her hands how about you jocelyn
4: um i actually had one honorable mention too because it was kind of teetering on the edge of being my number 5 but um it's big big fish
1: Hmm. i've I never that seen movie. big fish oh, it's i've heard so great good. things about it too my friend aaron who used to work with a shout out just fucking always ranted about that that's our favorite um tim burton movie it's i've great. never seen it
4: no. yeah I mean you should really sit down and watch it one time it's it's a good movie about like grief and you know kind of like um, imagination you know mm-hmm. like that type of stuff it, it's pretty cool but it's 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 funny because it's like my my grandfather used to tell my mom like all these crazy stories growing up and stuff. And and that's basically what it is. It's like his dad tells him all these crazy stories. And the whole movie is all of these stories that his father, you know, tells him throughout his life. And then you, you know, uh, spoiler alert, you find out at the end, you know, that they they were all true. They, were they, true all, stories. they Yeah. You, you, you find out at the end why, but I won't, I won't give that away, but it's a really good movie and it's, it's, it's really, you know, tugs at your heartstrings like a lot, but, um, I definitely get emotional every time I watch that movie, but, but my number five, um, is going to be Ed Wood. I love that movie. Um,
0: yeah, it's yeah, hilarious.
4: Yeah. It's great. It's, you know it's just a good ass movie i i thoroughly love and and you know enjoy watching that movie every time i've seen it before it's been a long time though i have to sit down and watch it again so but um yeah me
1: too it's it's <laughs> excuse me it's a really witty biopic
4: yeah um my i mean and obviously my favorite part of that movie is the what is it the giant um sort of octopus or squid and the, the tentacles are like all over the place. Yeah, and they yes. film it like so bad, and then it's just like <laughs> cut. We'll take it. And it's like what? <laughs> but I mean, if you yeah, know Ed Boyd, then it makes sense. But um, yeah, it's a great movie. So. Number
1: four, Mars Attacks. God, <laughs> Mars Attacks. <laughs> this is a movie that I have seen recently. This is a movie I actually watch every couple years. It's 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 a film that. Every time I see my good friend Video Joe, da-da, da we're always fucking reciting the aliens from the movie. The, the, the cast, and I saw this in theaters, actually. So I saw this at North Point, and I just remember watching the movie, and I knew it had a big cast, but then so many other people start showing up that you didn't know about, like Jack Black, and um, I don't know. I can't remember if Michael J. Fox was part of the list and initially he might have been a surprise as well but there was just so many people that just showed up throughout the movie that it's like holy crap it's this person or it's that person and everything and like so
4: jack nicholson the president in that movie
1: nicholson in three different roles yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, it's 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 wild um the effects still hold up i mean you know it, it's it's cg but look at the material that we're basing this off of so yeah. it, it's it's just the the, the the 50s variety comic whatever name you want to call it the, these aliens these martians rather
4: yeah um, i just remember that being a fun movie
1: it's a fun movie yeah i'd never be a surprise it just everyone just dying everyone shows up in one scene and the next thing like they just get turned into this you know the colorful it was like the red or, or blue uh, i'm sorry green or blue skeletons that they got shot with uh-huh. that's what they turned into and yeah just jim brown i remember jim brown actually getting nominated for an mtv movie award uh best fight jim brown versus the martians
3: <laughs> i that, think i that remember that fight. yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so yeah that's that's another film that uh i would li- i would like to cover one of these days because it's just a really fun film that uh I just enjoy either quoting or or talking about so definitely had to put that on the list number four all the way Mars Attacks you're up
4: alright my number four is going to be Batman Returns <laughs> um, I know a lot of people like you know the first Batman but I don't there's just something about the second one that I I've always kind of you know, was drawn towards the second one. I think, I don't know if maybe it was just, like, the Catwoman um, and the Penguin. Danny DeVito is the Penguin. I mean, you can't go wrong there. Um, shit, is hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I love this movie growing up. It was always my go-to Batman movie anytime I would watch something. And, um, you know, I just recently showed Gunner both of the you know the Tim Burton Batman movies and as much as he loved the first one I was like no you gotta watch the second one it's the best one and I know a lot of people might disagree with me because of Jack Nicholson's role as the Joker but um, that is my go to Batman film of all time and that is my number four
1: number three Batman Returns (laughs) Also, my go-to Batman joint. Um, kind of surprised it's not on the list for us to talk about this year. For it's a, it's a Christmas film, you know. Yeah. Everyone claims Die Hard is, so is Batman Returns. Uh, it, besides everything you just brought up, you know, I, I love DeVito, Oswald Cobblepot, <laughs> Danny, uh, Paul <laughs> Rubens as his father in the beginning. It's the cast in that one, too, and who was it? Um,
4: Oh, yeah, Christopher Walken in it, too. I forgot to mention him.
1: Yeah, it's also a previous episode. Me and Corey covered it. We talked talked a lot about that movie, so Mm -hmm. if you want my thoughts about that film in detail, check that episode out, Batman Returns. I keep on saying that we're at the point of the podcast where we've covered so many movies that sometimes I forget that we did it. I'm yeah. sitting here talking about how we should have covered it for Christmas, but then I'm like, wait a minute, we just fucking we already covered Batman they Returns. Do it. <laughs> it happens now. We, 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 Your rumors at 200 movies. Come on now, give me a break.
3: Yeah, you're
1: gonna yeah. forget
4: some of them you've done. <laughs>
1: yeah, you are. Number three though is Batman Returns. How about you?
4: Um, my number three is gonna be Edward Scissorhands. Uh, I don't this. I don't really. I don't even know what to say about this movie. It's just a great fucking movie. Um,
1: it's bizarre, but in a good way.
4: It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love so many things about this movie. Um, especially the dad. I think we've talked about this in other episodes um, <laughs> about him and his role and just how fucking funny. Alan Arkin. Yeah, Alan Arkin. Just how funny he is in this movie and how clueless he is to like things. In this movie, as like you know, he's just like a one of those dads that just does Since what he's got to do. Yeah, just does what he does, and you know, just kind of like the old man in Christmas Story. Yeah, but um, I love this movie. I I love um. You know, I love the end when the snows is falling and everything. That's just one of the scenes that always sticks out to me. And I think it's just a, a great movie. I consider that movie a Christmas movie as well. We watch Edward Scissorhands every Christmas. So that is my number three.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very heartwarming and very dark at the same time. Yes. But it's a good mixture because it... it, it you get the dark and weirdness, out. everything yeah. that involves Edward, like where he comes from, like the whole creepy mansion at the top of the neighborhood. Yeah. But then everything that's in the neighborhood, it's and just Vincent so beautifully Price. set up. I, I love about the aesthetic. Vincent Price. Yeah, Vincent Price, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I love how the neighborhood just—it looks like it's—it's it's like overdone, like a '50s neighborhood. All the houses look similar and everything. All and, multicolored houses. And exactly. <laughs> And then they all have like throughout the film you know of course edward gives them all like the 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 bush trimmings the unique stuff like the elephants and everything it's the
4: haircuts and
1: (laughs) the haircuts of course yeah it's that's a great movie it's a good movie it's a classic
4: i made my kids watch it a couple years ago and i was like you're gonna watch this so and they loved it it's it's one of those movies that you can pass down i think that's you know fun to watch with your kids
1: It's always good when they love the film just as much. Yep. All right, so number two is a film that I just rediscovered this past year. Recently, actually. And that is Sleepy Hollow. This was a great movie. This I saw it in theaters. And then, of course, after it came out on DVD and whatnot, I watched it a couple times here and there. But then my viewings of the movie just stopped. Not for any particular reason other than there's other movies in the world and for some reason Sleepy Hollow just kind of got put on the back burner. And that was until a few months ago when Paramount released the 4K edition and I picked it up because that's what I do. And I reintroduced myself to this movie and I was just in awe over everything. The, the, the look, the feel, the, the whole gothic like Edgar Allan Poe-esque set up the whole sleepy hollow story is just conducted so well it's just a damn good movie you know and you've got the who's who of tim burton's like cast of of familiar faces throughout the movie as well which is always fun seeing um along with some other people like christopher lee shows up in the movie No, was it Chris? not christopher lee i'm thinking of um, christopher walken no i thought um martin landau is who i was thinking of oh, okay. i don't know why it's christopher lee <laughs> martin landau in the opening you know of course from edward we just talked about him and and so many other people of course michael gambin who plays fucking alfred in all of his batman movies he shows up in the movie as well in a role. It's been a Ge- long time since I Jeffrey seen Jones. Movie. The less we speaking of him, the better. Is also in it from Beetlejuice, but yeah, the, and and it it's a bloody good time. No pun intended. It, it's I love the tagline too. Heads will roll. That's a film we definitely <laughs> got to cover. I, I initially wanted to put it because I had already did the lineup for the Horathon after this had come out. And after I watched this, I was like, I wonder if I could switch some titles around and kind of fit this into the Harathon lineup this year, because I really want to talk about it. And then fucking got sick, and the Harathon itself was in limbo for a little while. That was bad. That was a bad three weeks. The less I talk about that, the better. So, number two, Sleepy Hollow, back on point. How about you? Uh,
4: my number two is going to be Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Interesting. I love this movie and honestly it was this was kind of I was going back and forth with this being my number one um I absolutely love the music in this I've I've never seen it I really wanted to go see it while Josh Groban was playing Sweeney Todd in New York (laughs) on Broadway but those tickets were like so much money and um I'm not rich so yeah that's not happening but um Yeah, I think Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter just did an amazing job in this movie. Um, I mean, especially with their singing and stuff, it's not really something you've seen them do before. It was kind of like a different role for them. Um, So it was fun. And then uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer, I think that was like one of his debut movies. Nobody really had heard of him before, I think, before that. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but... It was the first movie I think I've ever seen him in. Um and then Alan Rickman. I'm not
1: familiar with him because he ha- he's more of like a Broadway stage actor. Jamie than, Campbell Bower? Yes.
4: He was in um Stranger Things. Stranger
1: Things, I know. Yeah, yeah. But oh, he comes okay. from theater. He's got a theater okay. background. Gotcha. And he's more his acting is more predominant on like Broadway and such than on film. So.
4: Okay. Yeah, Translation: um,
1: He's got a bigger Broadway career than he does a film career. That's, that's why I'm not as familiar with him as. And you would see, expect.
4: I I didn't know that. I thought this this was just you know. Insert
1: the more you know soundbite.
4: Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Alan Rickman, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure this was like one of his last movies that he had done. So it was kind of bittersweet with that too. But um, yeah, I, I love this movie. I love the music. I as soon as I saw it in the movie theater, I downloaded the whole entire soundtrack and listened to it like nonstop. and now my kid this is the first um rated r movie that i ever let nola watch <laughs> and I, mean, I,
1: I understand why
4: yeah because it's not really you know it's it's just the gore is basically it but um yeah,
1: he's literally slashing throats throughout the movie so yeah
4: a couple times i covered her eyes but um but you know, more or less, it's it's the music in this movie, and I'd I love like musicals and stuff like that. But um, so this movie just really did it for me. I love it. I it used it and honestly, as weirdly as it sounds. It used to be that movie that I would turn on before I went to bed, and I would just fall asleep to because I think.
1: That was me and Empire Records for the longest time.
4: Yeah, and I and I think it's because the music was like so soothing and that's you know one of the
1: reasons I had Empire Records on all the yeah. time was the music. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but um, I absolutely love this movie and I recommend it for anybody to watch. It's it's a fun movie. It's you know it's got some comedy in there and stuff too, but it's really good for like a, I guess a slasher film too if you're into that. <laughs> so. Sweeney
1: Todd, my number two. Yeah, I guess technically you can call it a slasher. Yeah, I've always seen it one time when it first came out on DVD. Um, Sean bought it, and he had a couple of people over, and I was one of the said people. And it was a one and done for me, you know. I was familiar with the material, you know. I I, I feel
3: like knew the you have to
1: be like a. And I've seen Jersey Girl, so of course I know the story. But uh, no, it's 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 fine, you know. I respect it.
4: Yeah, and it's got to be something that you're like into.
1: Right, exactly.
4: Especially like the whole Broadway musical aspect, you know, because clearly that's what it came from. So,
1: yep. So, all right. Where are we at? Number one. Number one. Ooh, number one. Beetlejuice. Come on, Speedo of course. And it's, that's and
4: that's mine too. I mine figured. We'll just say it. <laughs>
1: right, I figured as much. I mean, you, you know, can't we... go
4: wrong with Mike Michael Keaton's role in this fucking movie. No, and, <laughs> and and I'm
1: not gonna lie, I can't wait for this sequel. You to know, second,
4: it. yeah, it's gonna, it's be, gonna be, be a fucking
1: wild time. It really is. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, aside uh, of the fact that it was my first theatrical experience, I mean, it goes beyond that. I just. Have a lot of love for the movie. It's hilarious. It still holds up. The effects, I mean, uh, the comedy. I mean, Alc Baldwin in a tolerable role.
4: And Uh, I love Gina Davis. Gina Davis, of course. Yes. She's amazing.
1: And just the idea of like everything that's. Whoever came up with this concept, you know, it's. The eighties man. The it's 80s. bizarre. Yeah. It's it's out there. <laughs> Definitely something you wouldn't see today come up, you know, from, from start. It's um truly an original idea. Um from the fucking twisted, lovable mind of Tim Burton, of course. So yeah. I mean, what more can I say that hasn't already been said about Beetlejuice? So it is our number one collectively.
4: Yep, I agree. It's great.
1: All right, let's get to the film effect breakdown. Hello again, friends. This is the Film Effect Podcast. Good morning, Film Effect. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the game, right there. That's World War Three. Fucking hot recording right
0: now. I literally never wanted to punch movie in its face more than I had
1: last night. Definitely worth your time. It's it's definitely worth revisiting. 15 minutes in, I'm like, uh, Dorothy, we're not in Oakland anymore. It's in 4K, buddy. Check it out.
2: So, let's get down to the nitty-gritty.
1: Starting with the cast and crew rundown. So, top of the list, top build number one, we got Chris Sarandon, as well as Danny Elfman in the role of Jack Skellington. In the role of, it's, it's a voice acting. It's, it's, um...
4: Well, I mean, he it's, does, still, it's
1: still a performance.
4: He just he doesn't do the voice of Jack
1: though. No, well, he
4: Sarandon does, the, does.
1: Elfman sings.
4: Yeah, the singing voice. Yeah.
1: Right, the singing voice is is uh, Elfman, although I'd argue they both sound similar. I, I he sounds like Chris. I mean, I've heard Chris Sarandon. Chris, Chris, I've heard Chris Sarandon sing before. I mean, his voice is just like Danny Elfman's. I'm kind of in a way I'm kind of baffled as to why they had Danny Elfman come in and pull double duty and sing because well, I think you know um oh god I should have looked that up is I knew enough. that
4: at one day I knew that at one time and I I couldn't even tell you why
1: but Chris Sarandon I mean Fright Night just talked about him recently Fright Night he was Jerry Dandridge and he's also from people remember him from The Princess Bride uh The original Child's Play, of course, and uh, Dog Day Afternoon, where he was nominated for an Academy Award back in 75, Uh, but his career just, it's so extensive, and he's still around. I actually just saw today on TMZ that he was uh, in the hospital, because he just had his knee replaced for Christmas. It's quite the new uh, Christmas present. New knee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, he's 81, still ticking. Matter of fact, he's got the same birthday as my father. Shit. And they're... Wow. Same age as my dad. Crazy.
3: That's crazy.
1: But Sarandon's awesome. Um, If his last name sounds familiar, yes. He was previously married to Susan Sarandon. That's where Sarandon got that name. I did not know that. Yeah. There there you go. Insert the boy you know soundbite. And also... um, I mean, Danny Alpen... (laughs) I mean... (laughs) He's from Oingo Boingo, of course, um, in his career. I feel like I've talked about him before on this podcast numerous times. I mean, we th- I've definitely covered a lot of uh, films that he's scored because he, he pretty much scored like almost every 80s film and a lot of 90s films. I mean, he's still scoring films today. Um, just... A lot more of like the drama variety stuff that you would expect Danny Elfman to score. Uh-huh. Those are the kind of role or the kind of films, projects that he's taken on today. Um Another one of his iconic songs is uh, a recordings um the Tales the Crypt theme for the show. Yeah, There's Danny Elfman and
4: I feel like if anybody says I don't know what Danny Elfman's has done, you could just look at them and be like, Yeah, you do. You know,
1: he had his so many things. music. <laughs> Has a very distinctive signature sound. A sound
4: yeah, usually you know, you know when you're
1: hearing Tim, oh, Tim Burton. You know when you're hearing Danny Elfman. It's yeah. it's it's uncanny. There's no other you know composer out there that'll like him. It it it's it's just that you hear it and right away you're just like, oh, that's Danny Elfman. You it's like it.
4: John Williams too. Yeah, like it, yeah, it's true. just you can just. Pick them out of a crowd. You know, it's crazy.
1: I mean, the music in this, everything. It's, yeah. So, uh, oh, of course, the Spider-Man films, Darkman, Edward Scissorhands, the Batman films, list goes on. It's, it's too many movies to get into right now. So, Google them, kids. Google them. Uh, Catherine O'Hara doing the voice of Sally. Of course, you remember her from also Beetlejuice, as well as Kevin McAllister's mother from the Home Alone movies, and then she was in a slew of Christopher Guest films like Best in Show, Waiting, Waiting for Guffman, A Mighty Wind. So a lot of people probably remember her from that. Um, personally, I remember her from a lot of her earlier stuff, like Second City Television. Uh, she's you know a, a Canadian talent. Mm-hmm. Uh. Another thing that people probably know her from that from that's more recent is Shit's Creek. That's also like, that's Christopher Guest, though. She's I'm, hilarious pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it is
4: in that show. Never seen it. Oh, she is, she makes the whole show. Seriously.
1: <laughs> Underrated performance is Orange County. She plays the mother oh, of. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: I Colin all Hanks, about
1: that. who's like the alcoholic. Yeah, that's a trying great to, movie trying to keep too. her composure for the meeting with the the, the, the dean for uh whatever college she's trying to get into. Right. But uh I forgot I all about that. Yeah. Orange County is a great movie. It's 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 that's the one that has a too. cast. Yeah, good yeah. soundtrack, it, it is. Um but yeah, that that's an underrated performance of hers though, is uh is that film.
4: Uh huh, I agree.
1: Uh, but no, you know, um, Sally does the voice, and to be honest with you, I always forget that it's Catherine O'Hara doing the voice of Sally, because it doesn't really sound like Catherine O'Hara. It doesn't. The she way also, I remember her sounding.
4: She also does the voice of Shock, and that sounds more like her than Sally does.
1: Oh, she does? Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Oh, huh. Interesting. Um... Well, those three always talk like kind of like over each other and stuff. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint their voices except for Paul Rubens. But then again, I look out for his voice because, you know, he's Locke. Yeah. Um, William Hickey is Dr. Finkelstein. Now, William Hickey a lot, because he was very, very old at this time um, because we lost him in 97. Um... Actually, he wasn't even that old, but he just looks old as shit. He was only 69 when he passed away. Damn. You mean to tell me he was only like 61 or 62 in Christmas Vacation? I'm not buying that.
4: Yeah, he looks old as shit in that I movie. think Wikipedia
1: <laughs> is fucking wrong in this instance. I do not <laughs> believe that he was only 69 when he passed away. Because that was 10 years after Christmas Vacation. Not, not 10 years. It was, it was 8 years. But still, I mean... Even in this, the way he sounds, I mean, oh, yeah, I, I gotta call bullshit. I, I'm, I'm kinda
4: on shocked on that.
1: <laughs> I, I gotta call bullshit on that. That's great. And another performance I remember him from is um, in the original Puppet Master, he was Andre Toulon for the first two minutes before he killed himself. Okay. Um, I, I, I find that very hard to believe, though. Also, uh, one of my personal favorite Tales Scripts episodes, episodes, uh, The Switch, with him and Kelly Preston. Fun fact about that episode, it was directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, hmm. Yeah. And Glenn Shaddix as the mayor of Halloween Town. Ah, the late, great Glenn Shaddix. Talked about him a lot in our Heather's episode from last year. Um, because he was Father Ripper in that movie. But also most people know him too. as Otho from Beer Juice. Yes. <laughs> That's
3: what it's I was just saying. He
1: can't make it for the sequel. That sucks. Uh, but we also talked about him on the Sleepwalkers episode from earlier this year, because he was the teacher, Mr. Fallows, who meets his grisly end when he sticks his nose and other things where they do not belong. Uh, Demolition Man. He was the associate Bob. And yeah, that's pretty much all I remember him from. Glenn Shattuck's though, everybody. Um, yeah, Otho is probably the most popular role of his that most people would be like, oh, I know him. Um, but I'll, we'll get into it. We'll get to the breakdown. And finally, Ken Page as the voice of Oogie Boogie. Uh, he's another actor who is more on the Broadway side of things. Like he has a very pro- predominant career. And uh, Broadway, and yeah, uh, I was just looking region, at he was regional in the music,
4: Cats. Yeah, I was just looking at everything that he's been in.
1: A Lot of, a lot of Muni Saint Louis productions and such. He Hollywood was in Bowl.
4: All dogs go to heaven. Remember All that movie? All dogs go to
1: heaven. <laughs> <laughs> the Whiz, guys and uh, guys and dolls. The Whiz. It ain't nothing but the blues. Wizard of Oz. He was the Cowardly Lion off-Broadway. But yeah, Oogie Boogie is another one that a lot of people remember that he's from. Um, I'm here. He's a blast to meet in person. He's been doing conventions more recently. Um, him and Chris and Randy get booked did a lot of conventions together, obviously, because uh, this movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Other than that, though, um, it was... Directed by Henry Selick, who at the time was just a Disney animator. Tim Burton got in with. Well, I'll I'll, I'll mention all this coming up in the uh, production history. But this was his first of. He didn't. He, it, Henry Selick doesn't have the biggest of filmographies, but he's, you know he did this. James and the Giant Peach, which is like a film that mirrors this. Monkey Bone. Coraline and Wendell in the Wild. And hmm. I think Monkey Bone's his only live action. Uh, yeah, it is. it is. So, even though Monkey. You, you ever see Monkey Bone?
3: No, I don't think Brendan I Brendan Fraser.
1: Take uh... Monkey Bone is like this like, animated character. And Brendan Fraser is like, I think he's an animator or something, or a cartoonist. And. One of his creations oh, is this character called Monkey Bone.
4: Chris Catan, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And he gets into an accident, and then yeah. all of a sudden he starts seeing him, and yeah, Monkey Bone. I had to Google um,
4: it, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, 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 I know what
1: you're talking about. <laughs> it bombed horribly at the yeah, box office. Yeah, I was going to
4: say it looks like it's like a.
1: Like a the budget movie. was almost like $100 million. <laughs> and I think it only made like less than 10. Like it bombed bad.
4: Yeah, it's only like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Didn't help Brendan Fraser's <laughs> career at all back then. But no. it was 2001. Hollywood was weird back in 2001. It was very weird. Yeah. So he gets a pass, I guess. Um, then uh, written for the screen by Caroline Thompson. Although Tim Burton receives a story by credit. People which I will get into later on might argue that she kind of just showed up and half assed stuff, which led to a lot of rewrites and, and whatnot that was done by Henry Salk, the director. So, um she might not have any lines of dialogue that was written by her in the final product of this movie. Again, we'll get into it. Uh cinematography by Pete Kazakich, ah. Kazaczek, Kazaczek. I think I, I think I probably butchered that name. Pete Kazaczek, edited by Stan Webb, and the music, of course, by Danny Elfman. So the plot is as follows: Halloween Town is a fantasy world populated by various monsters and beings associated with the holiday. With the holiday. Jack Skellington, the well-respected pumpkin king, leads the town in organizing the annual Halloween celebrations. Unknown to the citizens, however, he is bored with the same annual routine and wants to try something new. While wandering in the woods the next morning, he encounters several trees containing doors, doors that lead to other holiday-themed worlds, such as Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Independence Day, Valentine's Day, and St. Patrick's Day, he stumbles through the door leading to Christmas town whose bright colors and cheerful atmosphere contrast sharply with the funeral the Halloween town and quickly falls in love with the new and exciting holiday. An all Jack returns home to share his discovery with his friends and neighbors that relate to Christmastown jeweler Santa Claus whom Jack mistakenly calls Sandy Claus but are unfamiliar with the concept of Christmas and conflate its customs with the Halloween traditions that they're used to. Frustrated, Jack isolates himself in his house and studies Christmas further, intended upon finding a way to rationally explain it. When days of study and experimentation accomplish nothing, however, Jack abandons his attempts to understand Christmas and decides to quote-unquote improve the holiday instead. Jack announces that Halloween Town will take a... <clears throat> Halloween Town would take over Christmas this year, and assigns Christmas-themed jobs such as singing carols, making presents, and building a sleigh pulled by skeletal reindeer to various residents. Sally, a feminine creation of local mad scientist Dr. Finkelstein, experiences a vision of experiences a vision of a burning Christmas tree and warns that their efforts will end, distra- will end disastrously. Jack, whom she secretly loves. Mistakes her warnings, and instructs her to make a Santa Claus suit for him instead. He also tasks a mischief trick-or-treating trio named Lock, Shock, and Barrel with abducting Santa. However, he orders the youngsters not to involve Oogie Boogie, a boogeyman with a passion for gambling, in their plot. When Lock, Shock, and Barrel brings Santa to Halloween Town, after mistakenly kidnapping the Easter Bunny first, Jack tells Santa that he will take care of Christmas this year and orders the trio to keep Santa safe. However, they disobey Jack's orders and bring Santa to Oogie, who plays a who, ploy, <clears throat> who plots to play a game with Santa's life at stake. Meanwhile, despite his best effort despite her best efforts, Sally is unable to stop Jack from proceeding with his plan. As Jack departs to deliver presents in the real world, she attempts to rescue Santa, only to be captured by Oogie himself. Unknown to Jack at first, his presence terrorized the real world's populace who contact the authorities and lock down their homes for protection. When word spreads about Jack's actions, he is shot down by poli- by military forces, causing him to crash in a cemetery. While the residents of Halloween Town believe him to be dead, Jack survives. Bemoans the disaster that he has caused and realizes that even though he never intended to frighten anybody, he enjoys his newfound methods of scaring people. This reignites his love for Halloween, but before he can start making, before he can start making plans for the next Halloween, he must first fix the mess that he has made for Christmas. Upon returning home, Doc rescues Santa and Sally, then confronts Oogie and unravels the thread holding his cloth form together. The bugs inside the cloth spill into a furnace, reducing, reducing Oogie to nothing. Jack then apologizes to Santa, who scolds him for the chaos that he caused and for ignoring Sally's warning, ignoring Sally's warnings. As Santa departs, however, both he and Sally assure Jack that the holiday can still be saved. Santa replaces Jack's presents with real ones, while the citizens of Halloween Town celebrate their Pumpkin King's survival and return. To fulfill Jack's original dream and assure him that there are no hard feelings between them, Santa brings a snowfall to Halloween Town, thereby bringing the Christmas spirit to the domain. The citizens finally realize the true meaning of Christmas, while Jack and Sally declare their love for each other and share a passionate kiss. Alright, so let's talk about the production history before we break down this plot. As writer Burton's upbringing in Burbank, California was associated with the feeling of solitude, the filmmaker was largely fascinated with holidays during his childhood. Any time there was Christmas or Halloween, it was great. He says it gave you some sort of texture all of a sudden well, that wasn't before. Burton would later recall. But after compelling his short for, his short film *Vincent* in 1982, Burton, who was then employed at Walt Disney Walt Disney Feature Animation, wrote a three-page poem titled *The Night Before Christmas* drawing inspiration from television specials of of Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer, How the Stole Christmas, and the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas. Burton intended to adapt the poem into a television special with the narration spoken by his favorite actor, Vincent Price, but also considered other options, such as a a children's book. He created concept art and storyboards for the project in collaboration with with, uh, Rick Heinrichs, who also sculpted character models. Burton later showed his Burton later showed his and Heinrich's Heinrich's model works and progresses to Henry Selick also a Disney animator at the time after the success of Vincent in 82 Disney started to consider developing the Nightmare Before Christmas as either a short short film or a 30 minute holiday television special however this project's development eventually stalled as its tone was deemed too weird to uh, to the company as Disney was unable to offer his nocturnal loaners enough scope, Burton was fired from the studio in '84 and went on to direct the commercially successful films Beetlejuice, Batman, and so on for Warner Brothers. Um, over the years, Burton regularly thought about the project. In 1990, uh, yeah. in 1990, Burton found out that Disney still owned the film rights, so he and Saul committed to produce a full-length film with the latter as director. Burton's own success success with live-action films piqued the interest of Walt Disney Studios chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg, who saw the film as an opportunity to continue the studio's streak of recent recent successes in feature animation. Disney was looking forward to Nightmare to show capabilities of technical and storytelling achievements that were present in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The Disney president, David Hoberman, believed the film would prove to be a creative achievement for Disney's image elaborating we can think outside the envelope we can do different and unusual things nightmare marked Burton's third consecutive film with a Christmas setting Burton could not direct because of his commitment to Batman Returns and he didn't want to be involved with the painstakingly slow process of stop motion I don't blame him must be very time-consuming with this uh, stop-motion stuff. We'll get into it, though. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, To adapt this poem into a screenplay, Burton approached Michael McDowell, his collaborator on Beetlejuice. McDowell and Burton experienced creative differences, which convinced Burton to make the film as a musical with lyrics and compositions by frequent collaborator Danny Elfman. Elfman and Burton created a rough storyline and two-thirds of the film's songs. Elfman found writing Nightmare's 11 songs to be one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. I had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. Caroline Thompson had yet to be hired to write the screenplay. With Thompson's screenplay, Salt stated, there are very few lines of dialogue that are Caroline's. She became busy on other films and we were constantly rewriting, reconfiguring, and developing the film visually. Selleck and his team of animators began production in July 91 in San Francisco, California, with a crew of over 120 workers utilizing 20 sound stages for filming. Joe Ranf uh, was hired by Disney as a storyboard supervisor, while Eric Layton was hired to supervise animation. At the peak of production, 20 individual stages were simultaneously being used for filming. In total, there were 1,009 for. 109,440 frames taken for the film. Selick described the production design as a keen to a pop-up book. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. In addition, Selick stated, When we reach Halloween Town, it's entirely German expressionism. When Jack enters Christmas Town, it's an outrageous Dr. Seuss-esque set piece. Finally, when Jack is delivering presents in the real world, everything is plain, simple, and perfectly aligned. Vincent Price... Don Amici and James Earl Jones were considered to provide the narration for the film's prologue, however all proved difficult to cast and the producers instead hired local voice artist Ed Ivory Patrick Stewart provided the prologue narration for the film's soundtrack on the direction of the film, Selleck reflected it's as though Burton laid the egg and I sat on it and hatched it he wasn't involved in a hands-on way but his hand is in it it was my job to make it look like a Tim Burton film, which is not so difficult from my own films. When asked about Burton's involvement, Selleck claimed, I don't want to take anything away from Tim, but he was not in San Francisco when we made it. He came up five times over two years and spent no more than eight or ten days in total. While Disney feature animation contributed with digital effects and some second layer traditional animation, Burton found production somewhat difficult because he was simultaneously filming. Batman Returns and doing pre production on Ed Wood. The filmmakers constructed 227 puppets that represent the characters in the movie, with Jack Skellington having around 400 heads, allowing the expression of every possible emotion. Sally's mouth and movements were animated through the replacement method. During the animation process, only Sally's face mask was removed in order to preserve the order of her long red hair. Sally had 10 types of faces each made with a series of 11 expressions, i.e. eyes open and closed and various facial poses, and synchronized mouth movements. The stop-motion figurine of Jack was reused in James and the Giant Peach as Captain Jack. The Nightmare Before Christmas was originally going to be released under the Walt Disney uh, label, banner, whatever you want to have it, but Disney decided to release the film under the adult-oriented Touchstone Pictures, because the studio thought that the film would be too dark and scary for kids Selleck remembered their biggest their biggest fear and why it was kind of a stepchild project was they were afraid of their core audience hating the film and not coming to convey Burton's involvement and attract a wider audience they marketed the film as Tim Burton's the night before Christmas Burton explained that it turned more people it turned shit it turned more into more of a brand name thing turned into something else, which I'm not quite sure about. The film made its world premiere on the opening day celebration of the New York Film Festival and was given a limited release on October 13th before being released wide on October 29th. The film was reissued under the Disney label and released on October 20th of 2006 with conversion by Disney for their new Disney Digital 3D and it was accompanied by the Pixar short film Knickknack. ILM assisted in the process the film was pretty much re-released every year after that in 07, 08, and 09 the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood was showing the film in 4D annually in October and then um, on Halloween they've been doing it since 2010 Um, so this film has been re-released a slew of times 3D re-releases sing-along re-releases um, in 2020, it came out again. 21, almost 2,200 screens. It was released in October, and it made 1.3 million over the weekend, finishing fourth behind Tenant. Oh so for God. the 30th anniversary and in com- commemoration with their um, centennial, it was re-released in theaters across the U.S. again this year in 4DX. Whichever I don't know what 4DX is. It's it's a new thing that's not around here, so can't really speak on that um but yeah this it's also worth mentioning this is the 30th anniversary of the film um, yeah it's it's a lot it's it's a film they have disney has done extensive marketing on the film it's and its characters across many forms of media and memorabilia action figures books games aircrafts fashion products you got people like jack skellington sally Pajama Jack, the mayor, they've all been made into figures while Jack and Sally have been in fine art. Sally's been made into an action figure and a Halloween costume. Various Disneyland and branching theme parks host Hollywood attractions uh, featuring nightmare characters, particularly during Halloween and Christmas seasons. Since 2001, Disneyland has the Night Before Christmas Haunted Mansion Holiday, holiday thing. Overlay. Yeah. Yep.
4: Which I'm so you dying know, to see. You're all at Disney, so
1: yeah. <laughs> you would know all this stuff.
4: Yeah. When I visited Disneyland, though, the um they were actually taking the overlay off of the Haunted Mansion, so we didn't get to ride it while we were out there. Ah. I'm like, figures we go across the country for the first time ever, and we can't even ride the original Haunted Mansion.
3: <laughs> so. And it says
1: here, additionally, that Jack hosts the Halloween screams hollow wishes and not so spooky spectacular fireworks show at the magic kingdom uh-huh. where, the, where the host is ghost host
4: and that's really neat if you ever get a chance to check out the video for that it's wild looking it, it really looks like he's standing up there on stage it's huh. crazy
1: and while not theme populated, in 2023 the film was selected for preservation in the u.s national film registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, so that's a big one. That's cool. And yeah, that's fucking. That's I was lot. gonna say
4: too. I think I, I I think I have like four different like special edition DVD oh, yeah. versions of this. So movie.
3: many of them, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anybody ever wanted a copy, like I got you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
1: got that VHS I got that laser disc I got that video <laughs> disc I got that I got them all
4: got them all
1: got and them I think all. it's
4: pretty cool because um last year for Halloween my kid wanted to be Jack from Nightmare Before Christmas and to think right. of like a movie that came out when we were kids it's it's cool now to like have my son want to be that character from a movie that was you know released 30 years ago it's it's just wild to me it's it's definitely like a cult classic you know
1: yeah i was i had just turned nine when this came out it's crazy
4: yeah i was eight so it's yeah so i was i was the age that my son is now (laughs) when the movie came out (laughs) yeah it's crazy to me and to think of like how much this movie is blown up to be like especially for Disney to you know have such like doubts at the beginning of whether it was gonna be a hit or not, you know, and now it's like kids and and adults like all all of it, it's wild to me.
1: All right, what do our main discussion? So film kicks off opening narration about the holiday worlds as we're introduced to Halloween Town in the form of the film's trademark song. This is Halloween.
0: I am the one hiding under your bed, teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs.
1: I love the dark and eerie look that this film is immediately going for with all these eccentric idiosyncratic characters that were being shown in their individual ways and it all comes together in a very satisfying way and just the way this film looks overall it, it's just stunning I, I it's no other way to describe it really it's just i've ever since 93 i've been in awe over this film's you know primary look and and color palette and feel and how everything looks in Halloween town compared to the the cheersome look of of Christmas town and I don't know there's is no way to describe it. It's just and there's something about the uses of the color green in this movie too. Mm-hmm. something about
4: it's like a lime green, yeah, yeah, I,
1: I, I absolutely adore it. It's something that I've always been a huge fan of um, especially in my older years watching films like. Color and color palettes are stuff that I never looked for before, but like the color green and the usage of it in this movie is just, it's very standout. And, and um, I had to acknowledge it. So, but yeah, the film is yeah. look no, though, I, agree. I love it.
4: And Tim Burton always has like a way of like using like these dull colors, but they work. Like, I, I don't know how he gets them to work, but they just always, even though they're dull, they always stand out, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, remember Burton really wasn't around for the production of this. Well, I see what you're saying, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Except, even though he wasn't around, Selleck is still going for that that Burton look and feel.
4: Right. Right. It's right. very obvious
1: on yeah. screen when you're watching it.
4: Yeah. And fun fact: this movie actually um is what got me into. I went to high school and college for computer graphics design, and this movie is what uh. Kind of push me to do that. I my nice. dream growing up as a kid was I wanted to be a stop motion animator. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. I think about how long it took them three uh, years. It's to a make grueling this movie. process. And when I'm like, think what the it? hell yeah. was I thinking? But I remember in college, I had to write a paper um about something. And I don't know what it was for, but I remember I wrote an entire paper about stop motion animation and Nightmare Before Christmas was like my main focus. And, you know, talking about like the puppeteering and all that stuff in that movie and stuff. But, yeah, this definitely kind of set me along my path of, you know, my, you know, computer graphics uh, experience and everything I've learned.
1: Like, I'll tell you what rewatching this film this time around one of the things that was always in the back of my mind was how the film was made how it was processed Mm -hmm. that's a very lengthy time consuming takes nothing but every ounce of patience you have in your body job it it because you're essentially shooting the film you're not even shooting, really. You're, you're taking
3: hundreds pictures. of thousands
1: of pictures and frames yeah. that have to be lined up and organized correctly. And it's shot by shot, by second by second. You're moving everything that's supposed to move piece by piece and then reset and then shoot and going back and moving again, and reset and then shooting. It takes time. When you really think about the process, you're not using computers. You know, when they're, I mean, they're using computers but they're not using them the way you're thinking you're using them. They're they're right. using them for other stuff. But the actual footage that they're catching, it's it's literally shot by shot, movement by movement, it's a very grueling and it, it takes every ounce of patience you have in you to, to Yeah, to achieve. I mean
4: honestly if this movie would have like bombed and not became the success that it is today, I I. Think I if I was working on this movie, I would have been like, "Well, that was a big fucking waste of time." Could be disheartening. And yeah, I'm never gonna do that again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I'm not a hundred percent. Let me pull it up while we're, we're talking about it. But James and the Giant Peach, I don't remember being a huge hit. No, it, it
4: I don't wasn't. Think it, was. it
1: literally bought it. It made less money than its production budget. So yeah, his follow up was not the hit that this was obviously it, it was yeah. just, um I mean, yeah, like you said, it it, it could be Hit disheartening and, and just, it, it would just unmotivate you just, I don't know, but Hey, it's what you do. Know. Maybe that's why I did monkey boat next.
4: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but at the same time though, James and the giant peach was as a book. It was a huge, like, right.
1: But I think you know, it was more a classic. You but know. the selling point for that movie was the same marketing sell point as this film was: look at the end, right. look at the the motion animation that we're doing and all that. Well, in the and way it, the way it, it was, it was a lot dull. more of "been there, done that," I've seen that before, you right? Know? And
4: it was dull and dark and that type of thing too. And honestly, like every time I watched it, I I enjoyed it, but every time I watched, it, I just felt like it was like a knockoff of nightmare before christmas type thing I, I feel like he was trying to still go for like that tim burton look and that tim burton aspect oh well, yeah it just yeah. it just didn't work with that movie at, at all
1: i i i can't even speak in the film i've seen it one time when it first came out on video and i, I literally
4: not. just watched it two weeks ago
1: because
4: <laughs> no, no. my kids wanted to watch it but i wouldn't have chose to sat down and watch that movie though
1: and we got to talk about the song this is halloween yeah this is the song this is the song in my opinion for this movie this is the song that i would argue is most remembered i i would say this is the most popular song the most talked about remembered thought of film, uh, song from the movie would you agree with that or would you or do you think uh what's this is more popular
4: no definitely this is halloween yeah. It's I, it's just like the song that kicks off the movie, and I feel like,
1: well, that but there's a, yeah a lot of but reasons. I, this is like... the song I hear more than any other song when they're True. when it's when you hear like Halloween music being played at parties or whatever. You know, it's always oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Halloween. I
4: gotcha. I thought you meant like from the you know that specific soundtrack, but I understand. Uh, what I you're mean, saying.
1: I no, I mean in general. Like I I argue like of all the songs on the soundtrack, this is like the the, the most popular one
4: yeah i mean we definitely keep it on it's 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 a part of our halloween playlist every year same here and then what's this is our christmas playlist (laughs) it's so funny how this movie can work for both you get the best of both worlds yeah that's the great part of it for sure
1: yeah and then we get jack's grand introduction in front of the crowd of townspeople to end the song and to also, mm-hmm. end coming another up Halloween the, night.
4: Something coming up from the um, the water, f- the fountain.
1: They, yeah, they prayed him in, and he's all like, like a like a scarecrow. He's all like brown and everything. Mm-hmm. Even his pumpkin head is his is, grand
4: reveal. Is, got a
1: pumpkin. <laughs> he's literally got a pumpkin head because he's the pumpkin king, and mm-hmm. he like dives into the, uh, the 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 ooze of the green whatever, and comes out as Jack suit and all. It's a cool-ass uh, introduction, I'm not going to lie. I- I've it always is. dug it. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. boss. And again, there's that uses of green. So, And this whole town, everyone is so obsessive over Jack as their leader. Like a lot. He's got a very dedicated fan base, I will say that much.
4: Especially the mayor. Oh, my oh, God. the
1: mayor. <laughs> we will get to him. Put a pin on that. So, Dr. Finkelstein is shown to be this overbearing and somewhat overprotective father or creator of Sally, and it's, oh man, I don't know how to say it without making it sound like inappropriate, but like, Kinda the creepy. way he talks to her, yeah. yeah, the way he's like dangling her arm later on in the movie, like, come upstairs, like, I don't know. Shall we bend?
4: it's a creep factor (laughs) it's
1: hard to ignore let's just just say that uh so yeah she runs off and leaves her arm with him because you know she's not hard to fucking keep in place she just unties herself pretty much and just (laughs) goes about her business it's awesome so everyone jack is escaping uh from everyone's infatuation and he runs off seemingly bored and tired of the same old thing and I personally, I don't know what's up with Jax. I could never get tired of Halloween. Like, I mean, I've said it before, but in case you're new to the show, like, Halloween is everything to me. Halloween means fucking everything to me. I dedicate the horathon to the season because I love it. I love talking horror, I love the feeling of it. It's, it's, it's my ultimate go to holiday. I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. But Halloween is the ultimate holiday for me. Like I love the feeling of Halloween time over everything else. That's just how I've always been, always will be. Like I have three or four different Halloween costumes that I keep in my room all year round. It just reminds me of that time of year. you know. <laughs> and after my, my birthday is in the middle of August, and I always know after my birthday is over with, it's like, all right, We're getting to that time where it's like late August, early September. Halloween shit's gonna start popping up, you know? Spirits gonna be opening everywhere. All the stores that have closed in the last calendar year are gonna get turned into a spirit Halloween. Yep. Yep. It's the takeover joint. You know it. So yeah, I can never get tired of it like Jack does here.
4: Right. And then, but then, like, it's funny that you see it that way, but then I see it as, like, this is his day job. This is the shit he does.
1: I would love this job. Every
4: year. Give me that job. Yeah, but sometimes, just like, as an adult, I get tired of doing the same thing every single day. You know what I mean? It's like that. You get in that routine and you're just like, I got to go to the same 12 stores
1: every week. Yeah. I don't even like half the people at these (laughs) stores, you know? But I got to go and see them every single week and he does it's get like, grueling and, and tiresome but
4: yeah but it's like you need it's a, a job you need a little break sometimes so you need a vacation and sure. i think he you know he's like let's see what happens when i slip through this door where's <laughs> this you know time warp gonna take me to
1: i love this moment here where he he's about to enter his home and goes through his gate and there's this, like, jazz ensemble that always hangs out outside of his gate. Oh, yeah, 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 He tips up, <laughs> and he's like, thanks. Bone nice Daddy. work, Bone Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Bone Daddy. Yeah, that's so, good. Jay, uh Jack's late-night stroll through the graveyard. He's, uh, summons in Zero in the process. And this is when Sally's watching on secretly behind the tombstone, because she's there getting away he's there doing the same thing he's you know the, the, they both have their escapes that they're trying to get away from and they just mm-hmm. um happen by you know happenstance meet up at this uh graveyard even though they both don't well she don't he don't know that she's there she's you know hiding behind the tombstone did
4: she's kind of being a creep too oh
1: yeah but. yeah yeah he's taking for <laughs> my father and this is when we get jack's lament that song and this also features the film's iconic shot of Jack walking down the spiral hill with Zero, among the large moon background. It's, uh, you know, the most iconic. Rest of the f- it's yeah, it's the most iconic shot of this movie. I love it. Along with the sure. rest of the film's look, and this movie has an iconic look and, and feel. The way those other films that I also wanted to acknowledge, like like movies like the the Adams Family, the, that and, and Values, they both have their looks and feel that are similar and yeah. Beetlejuice we remember that for the way it looks and everything and Bram Stoker's Dracula from from um, Ford Coppola the movies like all those movies that I just mentioned have like these distinctive look and feels this is no different right um, I agree so then Sally returns home with her well she returns home for her arm and this is where we get the fucking creepy Finkelstein where he's like shall <laughs> we then shall we and what I love about this scene is how Sally's blue color stands out in Finkelstein's gray and bland colored lab. Like, it's just a very generic lab with just bland colors. The way, you know, 80% of the color is in this movie. But this, her blue just really stands out. And again, going back to the color thing, like, it's stuff like that just pops out you know watching films like this um at an older age and I think it's perfect for her cold personality and how she's literally a dead creation from Finkelstein and not gonna lie being a massive Bride of the Frankenstein fan that I am I've always personally had this admiration for the character of Sally for that reason alone um it's yeah Yeah, I
4: never thought about it that way until you just said that honestly
1: (laughs) what which one
4: just like the bride of frankenstein you oh, know yeah. like oh, I, i've never she's always just been like a character to me that's like but i've I, you know you never I've thought never, about that
1: yeah no, she's throwing through it's it's definitely there's a there's there's some sort of inspiration drawn from that and just like fankelstein is frankenstein they have similar names because remember kids frankenstein's not the name of the monster it's the name of the doctor So, Jack and Zero continue their walk deep into the woods. This is where... I never noticed this until last night watching this. Jack plays fetch with Zero. And he uses one of his own ribs.
4: Yep. I've never
1: (laughs) noticed that before. I was like, holy shit. That's awesome. Yep. (laughs) Um, Then we cut to the mayor of Halloween Town going to Jack's house the following morning. Humming this is Halloween. And fucking... I, I love this scene so much. He's got the plans already intact for next year, and he fucking freaks out when Jack won't answer. Like, he's told he's not home by the jazz band that hangs out by his gate. And he, he... First off, we should talk about his look. He's got two head, Two faces. Two heads,
4: that, yeah. <laughs> that, that turn, yeah, yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. Two faces. That
1: do like a, a 180, depending on his mood and everything. And he's, you know, happy-go-lucky. But then he knocks a few times, and when there's no answer, like he's starting to start he's starting to sweat and the <laughs> fucking head turns the blue or, or white and he's losing his shit right now because jack you see the
4: anxiety take over him it's, it's
1: insane dude and it's perfectly voiced by glenn shaddix again um he pulls it off perfectly
2: uh-huh. 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 morning gents
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: Jack? You home? Jack, I've got the plans for next Halloween. I need to go over them with you so we can get started. Jack, please, I'm only an elected official here. I can't make decisions by myself. Jack, answer
1: me! The mayor's plans include a drawing of a bat, some sort of cat hat and cat mask, and a jack-o'-lantern with its top removed. (laughs) <laughs> and like, the, the, like I said, the look of the two faces, and I actually remember having this toy action figure of him for a good while. And yes, his head could turn either way. And for some reason, that he stayed in my collection of of, of signature fi- of uh, action figures that I just played with in my collection between him, my Donatello action figure from Ninja Turtles. Uh, the, my, I had this um, Terminator. From T two, where like you squeeze the legs and like his chest skin would like pop off, and it'd be like the skeleton under <laughs> the 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 robot underneath. It was it was wild.
4: I had the I had the Jack skeleton uh, action figure that where you could remove his head and you could put different. Like, I that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Yeah, that was cool.
1: And speaking of toys, remember when this film came out? Burger King had their uh the watch promotion for this the night before Christmas watches.
4: I, oh, yeah, I do remember that.
1: Because I had a Jack Skeleton one that I had for, like, the longest time. It was, like, black and, and gray, kind of, like, his colors.
4: I'm going to Google it now because I but forgot. But there were other,
1: there was, like, four of them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Because, like, it was one of those things where, like, you got it at, like, a really cheap price if you bought it at a value meal or something like that because...
4: Was it Burger King, you said? It
1: was Burger King.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they came in, like, these... Like the the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember them. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Because I that had the Jack, had the Jack one. It
1: was a black watch. <laughs> I think they had different colored ones. That might have been a purple one for Sally and maybe a, a blue one for whoever. I don't know. But oh, yeah, it was. There was, there was... Ja-
4: yeah, they had a Jack one. one did you find Santa. it? Santa. Yeah, I did. I'll have to send you a picture of them.
1: <laughs> I'm looking it up myself great. right $1. now. A
4: dollar ninety-nine.
0: Great material, by the way. <laughs> it's the story of Jack, the Great Pumpkin King, and four cool new watches at Burger King. To get a watch for a buck ninety-nine from the Everyday Value Menu, order each time. New lower prices on food that's delicious, and see Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Four watches to choose from isn't that fine each one is different for 199 watches from Burger King just one more case of everyday value I love this place
1: there it is holy shit! there's that watch yep yeah,
4: I'm gonna send it to you see I've no, I, I already
1: got it I've already got, it. Oh, I, you got I, it. I, okay. I did it yeah. myself
4: that's so funny as soon as you said that though I was like I gotta google this because I remember it but I couldn't I couldn't think of it
1: yeah I had the black one that's, that's, that's so wild. funny. Two dollars. <laughs> yeah. So they did that. <clears throat> Not remember that promotion because they, they, from time to time, these fast food joints had they were, they were holding these you know tie in production or promotions with these movies. Like I remember, Taco Bell had a big um, promotion with for their Grindy Meal when Episode One came out back in the late nineties. Yeah. Um, Another one that was that was popular was the uh, Batman Forever mugs that McDonald's sold. That people still talk about from time to time. Actually, for the longest time, I had my Two Face one. Still, they were like crystallized mugs. They, they were cool as shit.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah. I'm actually. It's funny. I just like looked over to my right and on my shelf, I have, I have all of the. Um the burger king collector series the disney ones mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i just like looked over and i have like all of them right there so it's funny we just brought those up so. bk
1: lounge oh yeah gotta have the <laughs> coops so this little walk leads to the discovery of the holiday trees this is what leads to ultimately Christmas Town. And, and those
4: trees are so cool too. They I are. think it's really neat how they did that. Like it's just this, you know.
1: Like we get a quick glimpse of the them woods. when the film first starts. We see them mm-hmm. throw them in the narration and then here when Jack uh, finds them. Um they're cool. They're they're simple. Of course, you got a Christmas tree for Christmas. You got like this jar with the colored flag for Independence Day. Of, of course, a, a egg for Easter Bunny Easter mm-hmm. Heart Valentine's Day But you get it, it And it's yeah. just simple Simple stuff And the, the one for Christmas opens up And He's curious Doesn't know what he wants to do And then like He's kind of like Sucked in
0: It's someplace new What is this?
1: Zero's left to be left on his own by himself and this is where we get what's this what's this what's this there's color
0: everywhere what's this there's white things in the air what's this i can't believe my eyes i must be dreaming wake up jack this isn't fair what's this what's this what's this there's something very wrong what's this there's people singing songs what's this the streets are lined with little creatures laughing everybody seems so happy have i possibly gone daffy what is this What's this? There's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys, and absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. And in my bones, I feel the warmth that's coming from inside. Oh, look. What's this? The hanging mistletoe. They kiss? Why, that looks so unique. Inspired. The gathering around. Here is story roasting chestnuts on a fire.
1: What's the f- film's second most famous song. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of this sequence uh, because of the choreography. It feels a lot like how this Grinch sold Christmas. Yeah. And, and it
4: is like what, how they said, too. It's kind of like Dr. Seuss. Like, it's very yeah. whimsical. Very.
1: Yeah. Very. It's just the way Jack moves around. Kind of like mm-hmm. spider-like. And he's just Well, it's curious. just the way that the
4: elves look and how yeah. the houses are.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all
4: that yeah. stuff. It's, it's very, like... Like it, you said, like The a, Grinch Stole Christmas. All the
1: Christmas stuff have their own look and feel the way all the people from Halloween Town have their own look and feel. It's, and it all adds up to the overall film's look and feel. It's... I know it's going to make sense to some people. It made sense to me. <laughs> and um, This is when the film briefly becomes and feels like a Christmas movie. And this is... Where I kinda of wanted to ask you, do you consider this film more of a Halloween film or a Christmas film and why?
4: Oh, I don't even know.
1: See, for me it's more of a Halloween <laughs> film because, you know, our central character and I would argue maybe seventy to seventy-five percent of the film's material overall yeah. is Halloween eccentric between the graveyard and everything that Jack takes a walk through and even when Jack goes to Halloween town like he is right now in in the story, it cuts back to Halloween Town or Christmas Town. It cuts back to Halloween Town so much. You know, it's it, it it the film constantly reminds you that, you know, this is Jack's story and this is he's from Halloween town obviously. So to me that's why it's more of a Halloween movie. Um,
4: yeah, I would have to agree with that. I, I think it, it definitely is more Halloween. I mean, we watch it at Halloween and Christmas. Uh, yeah,
1: I was, gonna, I was just about to but say. But we do. You know I mean, we're, we're covering it right now for Christmas, you know?
4: Right. Well, and we have the book, and I tend to read that more around Christmas time. I guess because it's like. um,
1: You do do a lot of reading.
4: Yeah. Like well, especially with the kids and stuff. Right. But you know, like it's like the night the night before Christmas, but we read the Nightmare Before Christmas. It's like our version of that during this time is what we read. (laughs) I like it. Yeah.
1: And then the scene ends with Jack curiously witnessing a silhouette of Santa, and we cut back to Halloween Town. Everyone's in an uproar with Jack missing in action. No one's more stressed out than the fucking mayor, though. Poor guy's rocking the white face. He's sweating buckets upon buckets and on his way to a catastrophic heart attack or an aneurysm or, or both. All because <laughs> there's only 365 days left till next Halloween.
4: Better get a jump on it.
1: God damn it, Jocelyn. You're supposed to say 364.
4: Oh, sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he sounds the uh, sounds off the alarm while Sally prepares Ficklestein's soup. This has never
0: happened before. It's suspicious. It's peculiar.
1: It's Then Stand aside. Coming through.
0: We've got to find Jack. There's only 365 days left to next Halloween.
2: 364.
0: Is there anywhere, anywhere we've we forgotten forgot to check? In every mausoleum, we open the sarcophagi. I trumped through the pumpkin patch. I peeked behind the cyclops' eye. <laughs> I did, but he wasn't there. It's time to sound the alarms. <laughs> this,
1: this alarm is just this like whining cat going
3: meow.
1: <laughs> it's the funniest shit. <laughs> It's great. And we cut the Sally fucking preparing scene soup, again with the blue hovering over the pot as she's preparing this concoction. With and I love how the skull
4: pops up when she puts the yeah. ingredients into Ingredients
1: yeah. that include the overly pungent, deadly nightshade, that, that's what causes the skull uh, smoke, fog's breath to overpower said odor, followed by warm's wart to top off the the whole thing the whole brew make everything right for the doctor and of course he suspects poison right away and he fucking cause he smells this. the uh he says he smells the frog's breath and it's it's like the most obvious you know thing that he can point out and why would you add frog's breath to just cover something up so he right. her in the taste suspicious. in it first yeah suspicious exactly she, she does so only she uses a spoon that has holes in it because she like drops the spoon intentionally kicks it underneath this thing and has she just happens to have another spoon on her personnel with with holes so she pretends to try mm, good of course the doctor sees it and he's like okay and he just de- devours it pours the bowl down his mouth and just sucks it all down and the next thing we see many sick Meanwhile, the mayor's on the verge of a heart attack... ...when everyone hears Zero... ...followed by Jack returning in a, in a... ...colorful snowmobile... ...along with a gigantic sack on the back... ...everyone's all happy... ...the heroes return... ...and Jack calls for an immediate town meeting... ...to tell everyone about his recent discoveries... ...and it's hilarious how they have a damn alarm... ...like this panic alarm set up... ...but when it comes to calling an important town meeting... They just tell the damn mayor, drive around town in your hearse with a code saying, town meeting, people, town meeting tonight. <laughs> I <just> thought <laughs> that was funny. And we get the town meeting song in this next scene. It's Jack telling everyone about Christmas and its traditions.
4: Trying to explain it to them. <laughs> yeah,
1: trying to at least. And nobody seems to understand the point of Christmas land. Or what they're doing over there, rather. And while watching this particular sequence, the usage of lights and shadows really stands out to me. Something about the Christmas, like the lights and colors and everything, just, I I don't know what it is. It's just something that my eye noticed during this sequence. I had to write it down in my notes. Like, the lights and shadows really stood out during this number that surrounded Uh Jack Skeleton. And they called him Sandy Claus... (laughs) I love how they call him Sandy Claus and not Santa Claus.
4: Again, yeah, I think that's when you find out that's what they call him, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: So poor Jack's pretty bent now. No one gets the idea of Christmas with their warped minds constantly thinking about spooky stuff. And he heads home with his head, you know, his head's down again. This town always seems to be really stressing him the fuck out, you gotta say. <laughs> and. He's trying to figure out the meaning of Christmas for himself to understand so that he can explain to everybody else better. And the thing that stood out to me in this scene here is he's sitting in his bed, laying in the bed in his PJs, and he's got this fire behind him. And my eye kept going to the fucking fire that's behind Jack in this scene. And it's just a video of fire playing a loop. It's brilliant. That's all it is. It's just like a I video of fire actually before. playing. <laughs> huh? I've never caught that before. Yeah, I had to watch it. I'm like, what is that? What's causing this? And I'm like, oh, it's just a fucking video and they, in the background behind him. Just playing on a loop. That's all it is. Uh, so Finkelstein locks Sally away because she poisoned him from the last scene, evidently. And as Jack shows up to borrow some equipment for a series of experiments, as he calls it, that's... He shows up after he he uh, locks Sally away. So Jack returns home to perform set experiments on various Christmas items. Like,
4: and I love this scene.
1: This is a I, good I, scene. It's very like yeah.
4: satisfying, very like relaxing. It's like it's like ASMR kind of like the scene when like the guy comes in and picks up Woody. In <laughs> yeah, in You know what I mean? Yeah, I just like love watching him do all the stuff. It's neat.
1: It's satisfying. It's 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 just simple and satisfying together Jack he's just doing shit with the cherry candy cane paper ice crystals and tree ornaments and you know it's just him taking all these obvious Christmas items and just performing bizarre dark Halloween-esque experiments on them that make no sense at all but for the sake of the film you know it's, it's cute and Sally escapes yet again we gotta talk about this scene. Holy shit. This was deep. So she lowers down this sewing kit. Mm -hmm. And she's up in this tower. And then she just fucking commits suicide. (laughs) She
4: just throws her ass. She just throws her ass off. (laughs) Fucking, fucking, the
1: top. Like, ain't no tomorrow. Not today, at least. And it draws enough attention that the goddamn jazz bands down there and they witness the point of impact and they actually react to it. We see them go, ooh, as she hits the ground and I'm like, fuck, the movie's getting dark. Goddamn. I knew this was a dark <laughs> movie but I forgot about this moment and I, my, my my jaw dropped. I'm just going to say that. So, she the, she lowered the stitching kit down because, or the sewing kit so she could, you know, stitch herself back together and still, it's just fucking really dark. Getting pretty dark here, movie. So Sally's vision of a burning Christmas tree happens next and this is what pretty much sets off this whole like conquest that Jack can't proceed with his idea because or his plan because it's going to ruin Christmas for all of the, the children and stuff. Like, it's just bad news.
4: Like this vision, yeah. It's
1: a vision. It, it's not a vision as much as it's her holding this, this whatever and like it, it burns like a Christmas tree in front she gets of a her.
4: glimpse a glimpse of you yeah, know exactly
1: yeah, there we go and at the same time Jack reaches Christmas town and the mayhem begins and I gotta say the bit where the little kid sees him as he's you know putting gifts under the tree and he like goes back up you know telling the promise that he's never been he never saw him or whatever and his yeah. parents are like what did Santa get you and like it's a severed head
0: Merry Christmas! And what is your name? Uh, uh, That's uh, alright. Uh, I have a special present for you anyway. There you go, Sonny.
3: Oh.
4: <laughs> and what did Santa bring you,
0: honey? Merry Christmas! I think it's great. It's. Gold. I actually wrote that
4: down because I was like, well, yeah, they're like, well, and what did Santa bring you, honey? Fucking and severed
0: just, head.
4: Well, if you look at I I thought of it as the shrunken heads from like Beetlejuice. Oh yeah. Oh,
1: yeah I mean, like, <laughs> it's the shrunken head from Beetlejuice the same way the um the and like the the, 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 the thing the, everything that he leaves the bat represents yeah, something bat, from tim burton's yeah. earlier work like right. the snake is from beetlejuice the sandworm. You know, the yeah. sandworm, right
4: <laughs> i love this and it's actually funny you brought it up because i wrote it down specifically like set to the side because it's one of my favorite parts of this movie well i had it to say for the trivial pursuit up. section
1: but it's so obvious you might as well bring it up right now and acknowledge it because yeah. it's literally everything from tim burton's work
4: they're just like so excited for him. Like, what did Santa bring you, honey? And he just pulls out this head. It's great. And then they just scream and call nine one one.
1: It's one of my favorite bits of the entire movie. I love it.
4: <laughs> it's
1: great. So the police are starting to rack up the phone calls about Jack and his fuckery, monstrous wreaths, evil toys. The town's going ape shit over this. The they're starting to crank up fireplaces so they, you know the the, the, the Santa can't get in the chimney. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> And then they dispatched the fucking army. They got the army involved, and they—I love Jack's reaction. They're celebrating. They're thinking we're—they're thanking us for doing such a good job. And it's like no, dog. They're fucking <laughs> trying to shoot you down. Go up, like he tells Zero. Go up. And Sally attempts to rescue Santa, meanwhile, because he's with um,
4: Oogie boogie Buggy.
1: Yeah, we didn't talk about that shit. So, I think we skipped an entire part of this movie yeah about lock
4: Lock, shock and barrel going to he well he sets it up for lock shock and barrel to go kidnap the easter bunny or to santa and they end up kidnapping the easter bunny and he's like no and then he like describes santa to him a little bit more and then he's like go get this guy
1: yeah no yeah we missed like a big chunk but not a big chunk (laughs) but it's not like a fucking massively long movie but yeah, yeah. We, we we forgot to talk about you know the lock, stock, and barrel. A <laughs> lock, lock, stock, shock, and, bar- and barrel. Say Jesus that Christ. four
4: times in a row.
1: <laughs> well, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels is in my back of my mind when I'm thinking of their right. when I'm saying their, their names out loud.
4: It does make you think of that.
1: And yeah, yeah, and, and that's so he, he takes, leaves Santa. We, we 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 missed the whole everyone getting assigned to do something for Christmas and and we didn't it's not that much but anyway yeah so the one thing he says the number that one that was thing, the job that they got don't yeah. let oogie boogie get involved and that's the, the the second they leave jack well let's get oogie involved you know? <laughs>
4: let's just not listen to him <laughs> exactly
1: which you should have known that was going to happen but whatever so getting back Cause at first they kidnapped the Easter Bunny. That's a funny ass bit. The Easter Bunny is in the sack at first, and he's like, "No." He comes, in,
4: he comes out. And he's
3: like, "Bunny, like a
1: bunny." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, cause we we missed Oogie Boogie's introduction. Damn, cause I love that. Cause I I, I wanted to talk about that. Let's talk about it now. Oogie Boogie's introduction. Cause we get the Oogie Boogie song.
0: What have we here? Santa Claus, huh? Ooh, I'm really scared. So, you're the one everybody's talking about. <laughs> you're joking. You're joking. I can't believe my eyes. You're joking me. You gotta be. This can't be the right guy. He's ancient. He's ugly. I don't know which is worse. I might just split a seam now if I don't die laughing first. Mr. Oogie Boogie says there's trouble close at hand. <laughs> better pay attention now because i'm the boogeyman and if you
2: aren't shaking
0: there's something very wrong because this may be the last time you hear the boogie song Whoa. 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 I'm a
4: boogie boogie man. and i'm not a big oogie boogie fan no no i'm okay. really not yeah I don't so, know, this is like the, it, the part of the movie that's just kind of like meh.
1: Like, I mean, I don't love him I'll I I. I yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I do love, I love the jazzy feel that this song gives off, I do love that it's such a snappy number, one yeah. of my favorites um, I love the neon green the whole yeah. neon look of Oogie's lair is visually stimulating to me, um and I'm, I'm, I gotta be honest, I, I reacted very strongly to this this the whole sequence here with this introduction. This whole number, like, it just, it it hit me, you know, because I just, excuse me. I love jazz. I've already talked about how I just, the, the, the whole color stimulant and the whole green and the usage of it. And this, his layer gives off more of a neon vibe which I'm personally more akin to. I, I, I just love neon colors for some reason. They've always been just visually stunning to me. And I, I don't know. I just reacted very strongly and positively to this, to this whole number of watching this, um, even rewatching it earlier today. Cause I've watched this twice in the last 24 hours, actually. And <laughs> both times, like I've been a big fan of this moment. So chances are it's not the last time we're going to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, getting back to the film, you know, we, we, we forgot to talk about, um, no, yeah, we're good now. So Jack gets shot down and, um, t- talk about twisted and kind of fucked up. The, the, the imagery of Santa being shot down for a child from
4: the sky, from the yeah. sky, right? <laughs>
1: that's, that's what I was thinking. Jesus. So the police are literally driving around, letting the crying children of Christmas Town know that the imposter has been shot down, but Santa himself is still missing. So Jack seal Jack now feels guilty and sorry for himself. Poor Jack. That's the song that we that we hear after this. And by the end of the song, Jack realizes what the heck. Deep down, he did something that brought brought the Pumpkin King that he truly is. Shit's on now. Just you wait till next Halloween. But first, Jack's got to save the fat man since technically Christmas isn't over yet. And we get the film's climactic Jack versus Oogie sequence. I, I, I fail to call it anything more because it's not like Jack and Oogie have a big personal vendetta against one another. There's no like...
4: I think Jack just knows he's bad news. They
1: don't even interact. He just tells the three of them to fucking keep him out of their affairs. And then they don't even interact until the end and and this is it right here. You know? Yeah. And it's like Oogie at first is acting scared like, Jack, they said you were dead. You must be double dead and I love that and the, the the whole twisted like pulls this lever and like everything turns into a huge like silhouette table from hell that they're, they're, they're on cause like
4: oh the roulette
1: o- yeah. yeah roulette table Oki o- 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 has got this like back he's got this like kind of like hush hush gambling problem we don't like talk about that it's kind of like right there in front of us <laughs> like he's like really yeah. into gambling and everyone's, like, fate relies on, like, roll the dice and shit. So, yeah, I don't know. But Oogie ends up getting de And this scene, this Oogie, I guess we'll call it a death scene, it's always stuck stuck with me. Always. It's always stood out and stuck with me. It's just so warped and twisted for a kid's movie. When the sack comes off and all those bugs, and then they go down to the insinuator, insinuator, and it's just like...
4: And I think that's one of the coolest parts, actually. I'm not a big fan of Oogie Boogie, but the fact that like he unravels and he's just made of bugs, like
1: in the incinerator, and is like melt, no, I'm nothing, or whatever they say, as like yeah. as more and more <laughs> bugs get melted and shit.
2: Dare you treat my friend so shamefully? <laughs> now, look
3: what
4: you've done? My world, my world, my
1: world, my <laughs> I'm not the biggest bug fan so it no. stood out it's like how they're all like together held up in like the silhouette of Oogie still and then they just collapse and fall and melt and yeah it's definitely stuck with me for a long time and the wrap up the film Santa replaces Jack's presents with real ones you know the, the the people of Halloween town celebrate their pumpkin king you know, and then we get the, the finale reprise song to wrap up the film. And Finkelstein seems to have created a Mrs. Fink for himself in a quick and you'll, you know, blink and you'll miss it moment. It's really quick and subtle. <laughs> and then Jack's original dream is fulfilled, and he's assured that there's no hard feelings between him and Santa. The spirit, uh, Santa makes uh, the town of Halloween snow this or they get introduced to snowfall and um jack and sally they realize that they actually love each other after the last 65 minutes of the movie and
4: yeah i think he realizes what he had in front of him the whole time that's right you know
1: true love yeah. that's the real meaning of this movie is true love never dies it's right in front of you fucko they share a kiss and this movie's over
0: I'd like to join you by your side Where we can gaze into the stars And sit together Now and forever For it is plain As anyone can see to be.
1: Now, before we move on, I forgot to bring up one thing earlier. As as it pertains to the gates, the trees, you know, Jack walks off. They're in Halloween Town, so Jack walks off and he's bored and whatnot, and he he stumbles upon these trees, which leads to the different holiday sounds. So it got me thinking a little bit about how this works. So at what point did he actually leave Halloween Town? To find these trees, because one of the trees is a pumpkin. So what's he gonna do? Jump back into a tree to go back to his own? You know what I'm saying? And then he's yeah, I get it. Well, and then also, how does he escape Christmas Town to go back to Halloween Town? Does he walk through the woods for the whole night there too until he finds the 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 the, the circle of trees? Are we to assume that the circle of trees are like deep in the woods in all these towns? (laughs) (laughs) Like
4: yeah well and then did you notice too when he got shot down at the end when he was like oh i i'm must save santa get back to oogie boogies and he just jumps inside like a mausoleum and I i'm like that. okay Jesus i'm Christ. like is that the way to oogie boogies <laughs> like, maybe I saw that tonight and i was just like Uh, okay
1: <laughs> but no i just got me to think like like what point does border, Halloween Town things, like, end and you know, like, where do right, we go to right. like, I don't know, just wanted to bring that up, just, you know, <laughs> things that make you go, hmm. Right. Oh, uh, like I said, that is The Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993 and we are about to get into our categories, starting with Trivial Pursuit. It's
0: funny. Little things used to mean so much to Shelley. i used to think they were kind of trivial believe me nothing is trivial
4: um one thing i will mention do you know vincent price was he yep. was the original voice of santa mm-hmm. but his wife passed away right before um they started doing the movie so he was unable to do it but that would have been so cool.
1: It would have been. It would have been fitting and it would have been a nice touching tribute because I do believe he passed not long after this film came out.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: In fact, it might have been around the same exact time. because I know he died in 93. So it would have been a nice little tribute, like an epilogue to his career
4: yep October 25th 1993 yeah so he died
1: the day before this film came out or something like that or a couple days before
4: oh geez yeah that's
1: crazy yeah that would have been fitting Mm -hmm. I would have dug that actually that would have been cool
4: yeah that would have been neat that was that that's my uh that's my little bit of trivia for you yeah to the the
1: (laughs) the trivial pursuit yes (laughs) Tim Burton has said the original poem was inspired after seeing Halloween merchandise display in a store being taken down and replaced by a Christmas display. The juxtaposition of ghosts and goblins with Santa and his reindeer sparked his imagination. In 2001, Walt Disney Pictures began to consider producing a sequel, but rather than using stop motion, Disney wanted to use computer animation. Tim Burton convinced Disney to drop the idea. He said, I was always very protective of Nightmare not to do sequels or things of that kind, Burton explained. You know, Jack visits Thanksgiving World or other kinds of things just because I felt the movie had a purity to it and the people that like it. It is stated in the making of that the most difficult shot to film in the entire movie is the shot in which Jack is reaching for the doorknob to Christmasland. Viewers can see the perfect surround reflection of the forest around Jack in the background. While Danny Elfman was chosen to sing Jack Skellington, it was felt that his singing was great, but his speaking voice was too wooden and stiff. Chris Sarandon was then cast as Jack's speaking voice because he closely matched Elfman's singing voice zero's nose is actually a tiny glowing jack-o-lantern in the scenes with the street band especially inside the town hall there is a small man inside the base that is based on danny elfman in a test shot of the end where the vampires play hockey on the frozen lake they originally used a head that resembled the head of the film's creator and producer tim burton However, one of the producers told director Henry Selleck that Burton probably wouldn't like that so it was changed at the last moment and reshot with a jack-o'-lantern instead of a head. Selleck later said that he believed that Burton would have liked the idea and regretted not asking the man himself. In the extended ending to the film heard on the soundtrack album many years later, Santa Claus returns to Halloween town to visit Jack and finds that Jack has about four or five skeleton children. A model of the evil queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves can be spotted briefly in the back row of the town meeting scene. Originally in the movie, Oogie Boogie was going to be revealed to be a disguised Finkelstein. Finkelstein, upon defeat, would admit that he was doing this because he was jealous that Sally chose Jack over him. This hints that Sally might have originally have been more of a love interest of Finkelstein's rather than a daughter. This ending was changed as it came out of nowhere with a serious lack of any setup. The producer, Tim Burton, hated the idea so much that he kicked a hole in the wall after hearing it. The hole was later cut out and framed by the crew. When screenwriter Caroline Thompson later suggested that she could still write a better ending, Burton repeatedly lost it and, fought and went into a screaming fit so the matter wasn't addressed again. Sally originally was supposed to have trouble walking, however the filmmakers changed this because they thought Sally looked drunk when walking, however it was shown that Sally walks more stiffly than other characters. Despite pushback from Disney, Tim Burton and Henry Selick fought against animating Jack Skeleton with eyes. According to a 2018 Mouse Planet report, Burton said the first rule of drawing animation is that you have to have great eyes for expression. I thought it would be great to give life to these characters that have no eyes, he added. Disney really fought for us to give Jack these friendly eyes instead of dark holes, but we wouldn't budge. The character of Dr. Finkelstein is listed as evil scientist in the cast credits. In this song, This is Halloween, the lyrics, Tender Lumplings Everywhere, refers to Tender Lumplings, a song done by composer Danny Elfman when he was in Oingo Boingo. This is the first stop motion animated film to be rated PG by the MPA. In the first few seconds after the title is shown, you can see that there are actually seven holiday doors. Going counterclockwise, the doors are a pumpkin for Halloween, a decorated Christmas tree for Christmas, a turkey for Thanksgiving, a brightly colored egg for Easter, a, four, a green four-leaf clover for St. Patrick's Day, a red heart for Valentine's Day, and a red and white and blue flowerwork that can be seen at the very beginning for just a few seconds. This door could be for American Independence Day or British Bonfire Night. The teaser trailer stated that the film was originally intended to be released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner, playing the movie heavily as the next generation of filmmaking, following the proud tradition of Walt Disney. However, Disney was worried that the movie would not be suitable for children, so it was first screened by an audience of school kids who were confused by it. By the time the theatrical trailer was released, Michael Eisner, then CEO and chairman of Walt Disney, had decided that the film was too dark for kids. It was moved to Touchstone Pictures Disney's sister company marketed under the new title Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas to reach an adolescent audience. This has led to a long-time misunderstanding that it was directed by Burton rather than Henry Selick. In October 2006, the film was re-released in 3D under the Walt Disney Pictures banner. This film, along with the live-action, traditionally animated hybrid film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, are the only films under the Touchstone Pictures label that are considered as official Disney films. According to Ken Page, Oogie's vocal performance was a mix between Brett. Skip that one. In the original poem written by Tim Burton, the only characters that existed were Jack, Zero, and Santa. The only characters that existed were Jack, Zero, and Santa. All the other characters were made up for the movies, although he describes some of the presents which were given out, including in some cases the names of the children. There are four shots in the entire film that were filmed in normal speed at 24 frames per second. One is the opening overhead shot of the trees in the forest, the fog coming out of the fountain, the liquid pouring through the holes of Sally's spoon, and the other is the bugs falling into the molten pit in Oogie Boogie's lair. Originally, a longer version of Jack trying to get the true meaning of Christmas through signs was fully animated. Some of the best gags, including the scene where Jack doing illustrations of Santa and his monster form, were cut simply due to time purposes. Despite being considered a villain by many fans, Tim Burton himself does not consider Oogie Boogie evil. Nevertheless, Boogie is, Oogie is still marketed as a villain and is considered one due to his heinous actions against Santa, Sally, and Jack throughout the movie there's been some debate whether or not the shadow in the moon characters seen during the this is halloween is the same character as oogie boogie as they bear a striking resemblance to one another however in villains unleashed Oogie Boogie calls himself the shadow of the moon at night, confirming the speculation further emphasized by a similar reference in the 2015 theme park show, Hocus Pocus Villain Spectacular. If Oogie is indeed the shadow in the moon, then this seems to indicate that his banishment is lifted on occasion of Halloween in order for him to participate. He also fights in the form of a shadow in the Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge. When the movie was planned out, it became apparent that the $18 million budget would be insufficient for what the film animators had in mind, so they had a list of scenes that they could let go of. However, producer Kathleen Gavin then took what they were already finished with, with storyboards in place of the missing scenes, and screened it for Disney execs who loved loved what they saw. After notifying them that to properly finish the movie would cost $24 million dollars, Disney begrudgingly added six million dollars to the budget. Still, several scenes never made it to the screen. In Oogie Boogie's song, there was a storyboard sequence where bugs came out of Oogie's eyes and danced on his arms before they belched off. Before he belches them off, it was removed from the film because it was considered difficult to make miniature armatures for all the bugs. For all the bugs. Another scrapped scene involved the shadow dancing on a rotating orange background It was traditionally animated but ended up being cut for timing. Despite this, the lyrics during these scenes are still included in the film's soundtrack. Despite generally being considered antagonists, the trio consisting of Lock, Shock, and Barrel is meant to emulate how real children their age act, although obviously with an increased fascination for the morbid and the macabre being citizens of Halloween Town. Because the film is stop-motion, it took animators about three years to complete the film. I was on the film for three and a half years. The stop-motion animation took about 18 months, but with pre-production, where you storyboarded every single shot, it did add up. Director Henry Selick told The Daily Beast in 2017, At its peak, it was about 120 people working on it, and we had between 12 to 17 animators on the job, he added. There's a hidden Mickey on the table where Jack is doing his experiments oogie boogie was the toughest character to animate because of his big size and pretty shapeless form henry stock told daily beast in 2017 ultimately henry rick henriks had to resculpt it and then when he gets his skin pulled off and he's filled with bugs that took some years off a few animators lives it's three or four killer shots and two and took about four months he added the only human adult faces shown are Santa Claus's, Mrs. Claus, a police officer, and a woman reading a book to elves in Christmastown. All the others are shown from the neck down. And finally, Oogie Boogie is reminiscent of the boogeyman concept and old phrase, don't let the bedbugs bite, since Oogie is a pun on the boogeyman and is composed of bugs. Let's talk about some opinions of the movie, first in the form of the critics and what they thought and in order to do that, we always take a walk to the Critics Corner and see what they all have to say about the film. And Night Before Christmas has a Rotten Tomato score of 95% based on 108 reviews with a critical consensus that says the Night Before Christmas is a stunningly original and visually delightful work of stop-motion animation. It's got a meta score of 82 out of 100 based on 30 reviews and a B-plus cinema score. Let's take a look at what Siskel and Ebert had to say about the film...
2: The Pumpkin King dreams of replacing Santa Claus in The Nightmare Before Christmas, an inventive stop-action animated film from the mind of Tim Burton, who specializes in giving us pain-tortured heroes like Edward Scissorhands and Batman himself. Here in a most original-looking world, Jack Skellington explains to his fellow revelers in Halloweenland his plan to orchestrate Christmas, too. We pick up an oversized sock and hang it like this on the wall.
0: Oh, yes. Does it still have a foot? Let me see. Let me look. Has it rotted and covered with dirt? Um, let me explain. There's no foot inside, but there's candy. Well,
2: sometimes it's filled with small
0: toys. Small toys? Do they bite? Do they snap? Or explode in the sack?
2: Jack asks three of his best trick-or-treaters to kidnap Santa Claus so he can take over that holiday, but the kids swipe the wrong holiday emblem. <laughs> That's not Sandy Claus. It isn't? Who is it? Bunny! (laughs) Later, with Santa Claus out of the way, Jack distributes the gifts his helpers have created. But these Halloweenland characters only know from pranks, so the gifts are strange, to say the least.
4: And what did Santa bring you,
3: honey?
2: The movie sags, however, three quarters of the way through when a bad guy named the Oogie Boogie tries to harm Santa Claus and Jack's girlfriend a rag doll called Sally. So it's Jack to the rescue. So long, Jack Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas looks unlike any movie I've ever seen, and so I applaud everyone associated with the look of this film. But the story is disappointing it hints at a love story between jack and sally but it doesn't really deliver that in any way the christmas material only works as bits about the bad gifts i have the feeling a lot of kids are going to be asking at the end what was this all about you know i'm not even sure that uh and i like the movie that a lot of kids should see it i mean i think it's more of a movie for adults and for teenagers and older kids and the look i have seen a movie that looks something like this and it's the cabinet of dr caligari the art oh, well, design okay. of this film is so special. Yes, it is. The creatures, not just the humanoid creatures, oh. but also the animal creatures and the fantasy creatures, uh, are so unusual, the backgrounds, the setting, the decor, that if you just turned off the sound and just looked at what's there for an hour and 15 minutes, it's a short film. It's a very short uh, film. There's a lot to look at. I don't, even kn- I don't even know if it's that long without the credits. The credits okay. have <laughs> maybe come out. I mean, it's about 65 but minutes. It, it's like- a real, special-looking film. The look is fantastic, mm-hmm. but they didn't think out the story enough that this is a problem Tim Burton has had with his projects before. You were not a big fan of Edward Scissorhands, I don't uh, think. Or, or, Batman, or the Batman Returns. Returns. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know, what, fin- what Burton is always interested in is the same thing that here, and that the is pained... a person who wants to do well, but who is an outcast from society yes. because of some handicap or some appearance yeah. that he has. He just doesn't know how to put him through a good story often.
1: Eves went on further to. Well, he, he went on to further praise the film's visual inventiveness. One of the many pleasures of Tim Burton's The Night Before Christmas is that there is not a single recognizable landscape in it. Everything looks strange and haunting. Even Santa Claus would be difficult to recognize without his red and white uniform. He wrote that it presented a world that is completely new as the worlds we saw for the first time in such movies as Metropolis, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and Star Wars with all these films. What all these films have in common is a visual richness so abundant that they deserve more than one viewing. He wrote that the songs by Danny Elfman are fun too. A couple of them use lyrics so clever that it could be updated from Gilbert and Sullivan and the choreography. Liberated from Liberated from Gravity and Reality has an energy of its own as when the furniture, the architecture, and the very landscape itself gets it on the act. He notes that some of the Halloween creatures might be a tad scary for smaller children, but this is the kind of movie older kids will eat up. It has the kind of upbeat, I'm sorry, it has the kind of offbeat, some subversive energy that tells them that wonderful things are likely to happen. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone called it a restoration of originality and daring to the Halloween genre. This dazzling mix of fun and fright also explodes the notion that animation is kid stuff. It's 74 minutes of timeless movie magic. James Berard and from Real View stated that The Nightmare Before Christmas has something to offer just about everyone. For the kids, it's a fantasy celebrating two holidays. For the adults, it's an opportunity to experience some light entertainment while marveling at how adept Hollywood has become at these techniques. There are songs, laughs, and little romance. In short, like Before Christmas, does what it intends to do, entertain. Destin Thompson from the Washington Post enjoyed the film's similarities to the writings of Oscar Wilde and The Brothers Grimm as well as the cabinet Dr. Calgary and German Expressionist films. Meanwhile, Chris Stuckman gave it an A and said that I'm blown away by just the construction of the scenes and by all the effects that have been incorporated to make everything more flu- move fluidly. And there's also this charming imperfection to the animation that just makes it so gorgeous. Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly gave it a C he said, I'm not sure I've seen I I'm not sure I've ever seen a fantasy film that's it's that's it once so visually amazing and so emotionally dead. Well fuck you buddy. The film was nominated <laughs> for both nerd. the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. Nightmare won the Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film, while Elf Elfman won for Best Music. Selleck and the animators were also nominated for their work. Elfman was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. Most recently, the film ranked number one on Rotten Tomatoes' Top 25 Best Christmas Films list. That's pretty funny. Alright, well, we heard what they thought. Now let's hear about what we thought of the film in the form of pros and cons.
2: Robin, get me my legal pad. It's pros and cons time. <laughs>
1: All right, we're going to do pros first, and I'm going to let you do the honors, Jocelyn. Kicking this off, what are your pros about the film?
4: Um, I visually, I I think it looks amazing, and we've talked about that a couple times. Um, the music in it, I love. I feel like the music sticks and it's something overall the movie's just something overall that you can enjoy with generations just passed down um i know my mom loved this movie i love this movie my kids love this movie and it's just one of those movies that like it's 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 still good after 30 years and it's something that i appreciate you know when it comes to a movie it's you know um I'm trying to think what else really yeah that's all I got.
1: <laughs> One pro?
4: <laughs> I mean, well, it's a bunch. Visually, the music and everything. I got you. Um, yeah, it, it has a great storyline, too. It's kind of cool to put, like, a spin on. You know, like I said, you know, it's a spinoff of The Night Before Christmas. So, it's a little fun for them to, you know, put a spin on it and see, like, a darker side of that and how it would turn out. And... I'm a big fan of Burton's earlier work, like his poems and stories. I have a book of like all of his original stories and poems and everything. And it's cool to see like a lot of that stuff come, come to life in this movie, especially like a lot of like his little drawings and doodles and stuff for some of the toys that, you know, the kids get and everything. Right. So, yeah. So it's, it's just a movie that sticks and it, it, definitely
1: ages well in with time and everything. Uh, so for me, first the glaring visual effect stop motion really makes the film what it is being a fan of the Halloween holiday and everything in between. I've never seen anything like this. And after 30 years, nothing else even compares. I also love how unique colors stand out against the overall bleak gray look and feel in certain se- uh, sequences. Um, the music is what makes the film the colossal juggernaut that it's become over the decades every song feels like it rightfully belongs in the movie and no song ever feels out of place the concept of this story and these characters is ultimately why the film sticks with me it's an original story for one and all these unparalleled characters really help the film stand out above the rest and finally the voice cast is perfect it's not chock full of Hollywood A-listers who overshadowed the film itself. Instead, they got modest actors who are perfect for their characters and who collectively really helped make the film become the highly rewatchable holiday classic that it's become. People like Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara, who I can't see anyone else being, you know, in the in the voices, who I who I can't see anyone else voicing besides them. They really got their parts and their really their contributions are to me, you know, why we praise this film and these characters over the years and years, so those are my real big pros honestly, I mean, I can go on, the editing, I, I love the, the tight neck pace this film has, it's you know, it's the, the colors again the color palette, I mean, there's so many things but those are my four main pros, so um take the good, got some bad you have any cons? What are you cons?
4: I mean I have a hard time coming up with cons, honestly. Um, because there's so much I like about this movie, and there's so many things that, you know, I've enjoyed this movie for so many years. Um, and it's a movie that I keep coming back to, so can't really right. be a, yeah. a lot bad if you keep watching it multiple times a year. Um, but I don't know, like I guess like the only thing to just like I didn't really like it i i didn't like the whole which is something that you like the whole oogie boogie like (laughs) the roulette table and all of that stuff i just i i feel like it kind of like loses me during the movie like i feel like there's like this whole build-up and there's everything going on and then you just kind of have like this side story and i know that you need a villain in every movie and technically he's the villain but i also feel like Jack is also kind of like the villain, just a misunderstood villain. You know what I mean? Because he's trying, right. he means well, but he ultimately, you know, fucks up big time <laughs> and ruins Christmas. I mean, but, my uh-huh.
1: only negative comment, or my, my only negative about Oogie, now you know, it's not really, it's it's not big enough for me to put on my cons list. But I'm just gonna say, like, yeah, I guess if there's one bad thing about that character, it's just the fact that we don't get enough of him you know ogie's only in like two or three scenes
4: and see i feel like that's enough for me
1: (laughs) see i i would argue having maybe a little bit more but then again that would take from the the easy brisk time that the film is and you know it's why i love the editing because this film just kind of like it's an easy watch yeah I don't know. So my only, I, I, I wrote down one con. to add
4: another 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's true. Uh, my, my only con is that there's no, there, this, this, there was never a sequel or a spinoff after 30 years. This film is just a one and done. The fact that we never got a sequel or any sort of continuation just it's kind of a bummer is, for me. So I put that right. in my cons, even though it's not about the film itself.
4: and the only thing that I feel like would even come close to it would probably be like the corpse bride it just has like that that. that vibe and that feel and you know that type of thing
1: alright let's talk about the one thing we would change if we were given access to a mulligan that's right mulligan moment if you had to do it all over again would you make the same choices so if I could change one thing about the film maybe peek into the other worlds a little bit to see how they work just rather than focus on Halloween and Christmas like let's let's get a little gander into Easterland or how the the folks over at Independence Day World are celebrating their July 4th or you know like it's just kind of a minor bummer bummer bummer-ish that we never got to see the other four holidays that are uh supposedly around um
4: and it's hilarious that you say that because that was the same thing that i was gonna say up, there I we feel go like it was like, Great I feel like, it like. Was, yeah and i feel like it was like a tease you know what i mean like a the
1: we saw the, you know, the bony here
4: but you'll never see what's behind these doors you know like, like kinda, what the hell is
1: going on in the heart bummy. with the Valentine's Day land? What are they? Uh, it's like a, is it like a Roman like orgy back there or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like,
3: come on
4: now, like. Cupid, you got orgies. Jesus,
1: how does um, it work? What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs>
4: And then my other like Mulligan thing was just the fact that like he jumped in that mausoleum and he's at Oogie Boogies. Like, you know, it was <laughs> that's really bugging like, you, isn't it? It is because I saw it today and I was just like, wait, what? I've never noticed that before. Why do he jump in that grave to go to? What Oogie does Buggies? it mean? What like, does it mean?
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: um, finger licking good. Our favorite moment of the film. It's Finger licking good. Why don't you go first?
4: Um, My favorite movie, moment of the film. Yeah,
1: your finger looking good. What's your is, chef's kiss?
4: It, it's definitely, and and what did Santa bring you, honey? And he pulls out <laughs> the head. Yeah, it just, uh, after all these years, it That's just- That's
1: a great moment.
4: It makes me laugh out loud. It cracks me up. I love it. it it's just like, you know, it, yeah, yeah. It, it it bothers me that Jack gives them all of these, like, you know, decrepit like presents and stuff because he's been to Christmas Town. He's seen what they they do there, and the fact that he just thinks like, oh, let's just throw a head in a box and give it to a child, and you know, this is the way for me to do a good thing. And he's doing my a good deed, okay? Right, right. But like, <laughs> it just cracks me up to think that like.
1: Doesn't matter what you got. The fact that that's, he was given, right, That's all that matters. But it,
4: it just it makes it's me a laugh. Thought like that counts every single time because that's in his mind. That's his version of what a gift would be, <laughs> and that's if <laughs> if Santa left my kid a head in a box. I mean,
0: what's, I in, would the die.
4: what's in the box? What's know, in the box? I know, like immediately where I, my head went. Um, yeah. That's that's what I would
1: be thinking. Be like, you're you know. not going to like my what finger the hell looking is going
3: good.
1: On? Told you I'd bring it up again. Although I technically answered this question during our discussion. It's hands down Oogie Boogie's introduction, the Oogie Boogie song. It's I don't know, just from a visual achievement alone, my favorite <laughs> moment, the whole design of his lair is something else, especially with the whole Gambling aesthetic and how it's on a roulette table from hell, and just the, the whole neon colors that just pop, 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 pop. pop. Love it. Yeah, yeah it's my favorite moment of the film.
4: We're on two different islands with this ugly oh we thing. We are, we are. But it's okay. It's
1: okay. Moving right along, two our MVPs.
0: All right, now you might think I'm a little biased. But I take my job as a presenter very seriously. I will show no favoritism. I am here to honor excellence. And
2: the most valuable player is...
1: Movie MVPs. Who stands out better than the rest? Uh, For me, MVP of this film is Danny Elfman. For what he brings to the table as both a singer and composer for the film, being the songwriter for a plethora of classics all included in a single movie that nearly goes over the hour mark. That alone is why he gets my vote 100%. Danny Elfman, g- gentlemen, ladies, 100% right there. My MVP with yours.
4: I don't agree with that. I mean, I'm sorry. I I'm don't sorry. Dis- I don't <laughs> disagree with that. It's getting late. Sorry, I don't disagree with that.
1: <laughs> you like, every time. I don't agree with that. God damn it!
4: <laughs> no, I was like so. I did
1: not
4: tired. <laughs> anyway, I don't disagree with that. But every time we've done MVP before, it it was it's always been like a character that we picked. So I went down the road of a character and I think the MVP of this movie is is zero. Zero? Yeah, he's stuck. Dog
1: who minds his own business.
4: No, 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 no. He's stuck by Jack this whole time through all of the shenanigans and he's loyal
1: like a dog. Dogs hey, are loyal and
4: loyal. And, and he saved the day at the end with his nose that shines a little, little
1: pumpkin nose.
4: Yeah. He was the <laughs> Rudolph, the hero of the story. I believe, I believe if it wasn't for him, Jack, you know, he went from zero to hero. A very grim that. demise at the end. Yeah. <laughs> So that's,
1: that's my MVP. Alright. But before we get out of here, before we give off our final picks, let's take a little walk down memory lane and discuss the physical media aspect of the film. Let's get physical. Physical media. With years of successful home video sales The Nightmare Before Christmas later achieved the ranks of a cult film Touchstone Home Video first released the Night Before Christmas on VHS and Laserdisc on September 30th 1994 and the DVD initially on December 2nd 1997. The film was also released a second time on DVD on October 3rd of 2000 as a special edition. This release included an audio commentary by Selleck, the cinematographer and uh Oh, um... Pete... Kozicic... Kozicic... And the 29-minute making of documentary, along with the gallery of concept art, storyboards, test footage, and deleted scenes, Burton's Vincent and Frank and Weenie were also included. Both the DVDs were non-anamorphic widescreen releases, not to mention release... The film was also released when umd for playstation portable on october 25th 2005. disney released the film on dvd again this time with an anamorphic transfer and on blu-ray for the first time ever on august 26 of 2008 as a two-disc digitally remastered collector's edition but still containing the same special features disney released the film on blu-ray 3d on august 30th of 2011 The release included the Blu ray 3D disc, a Blu ray disc, and a DVD that included the film. No, I'm sorry, and a digital copy of the film. In 2018, Disney issued a sing along version of the film accompanied by a theatrical cut and a Movies Anywhere copy as a single disc version for the film's 25th anniversary. The sing along version was also released on Disney Plus the same day. And then finally, this year, October, or I'm sorry, rather August 22nd, 2023, for the 30th anniversary. Of the film was finally remastered in 4K and released on the 4K Blu ray format, including extra content. And I gotta say, that's how I watched it last night, and it looks gorgeous. So that's the history of Nightmare Before Christmas as far as physical media goes. Let's get to our final category, which is. Final effect rating. How would you rate this one, Miles? And double feature pairing. Yeah, we made a great pair. Um, I'm giving this five stars. I don't give out five stars often. With such a an original idea and the way the stop motion really helps achieve the film's overall look and legacy there's simply no way I could give this movie anything less than a five star final rating I love the feel of the movie the aesthetic the characters the songs I love the way it looks the way it makes me feel the way it makes me feel happy anytime I'm watching it to me it's the perfect character it's the perfect holiday film whether that holiday is Halloween or Christmas for reasons that I gloated about for the last two hours of this episode like I love this movie. I've never honestly said that before, but having rewatched this film twice in the last day and just getting so into this conversation we, that we have just had about the film, like, I love it. I'm not afraid to admit it. So five stars. Pairing this up with the movie you mentioned recently, Corpse Bride. <laughs> it's, it's... A spiritual sequel in, in, in many ways. To me, there's no other film to pair this up with. Corpse Bride was the ultimate only pick for me. So, five stars with Corpse Bride, my final rating, and pairing. You're up.
4: Um, yeah, I'm gonna give this five stars as well. Um, basically, just like, I mean, you think about how long nowadays it takes to make a movie. And you know, being reminded that this movie took three years to make, it just is mind blowing. And to think that they put so much time and, you know, like work into doing all of the stop motion animation and anybody who doesn't know what stop motion animation is like, definitely check it out. Cause it's, it's, it's crazy. Look it up kids. Um, It's
1: a very grueling and time consuming process, but it pays off in spades. Believe me, if done right. (laughs)
4: um visually this movie i think looks incredible um i think it's just like a, a one-of-a-kind like atmosphere um the characters are great i love the music the score i love the lyrics i think danny Alfman did a phenomenal job with um singing all of the songs for him yeah. and i feel like the the songs are just like they're just memorable songs that just stick with you and they're fun. It's, it's, you know, we still listen to the soundtrack in the car, you know, at Christmas and Halloween. So it's, it's just a, it's a fun movie. Um, the gloomy colors I think is really cool. It's, you know, it's gloomy, but like I said, it's just, it's, it's attractive. You know, there's just a way that it like draws you in and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I I love this movie. I love that it is, like I've said before, it's, you know, it's a a movie that you can pass along you know, year after year, and it's something that all viewers can kind of watch. It's it's a movie for everyone. And it's a generational movie. It's like, it's like one of those movies, like when we were kids, we would watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and (laughs) Frosty the Snowman. I feel like this is like, this is the next generation of those movies um for the holidays and everything um comparison with another movie is i uh, corpse bride for sure um there's a lot of the same aspects in that color wise um i wouldn't really say songs i wasn't if i had to pick a soundtrack i would definitely pick nightmare before christmas but um you know the characters the way that um the bride is in corpse bride the way that she's blue it's very you know Mm sally-esque and you know victor reminds you a lot of the human version of jack i would say you know um but yeah that's 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 what i would go with so we agree on a few things on this episode and that's one thing that I, i agree with you with so i would give it five stars
1: Alright, well, kids and heroes, that's going to be it for our treatment on Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. A film that undoubtedly gets our Film Effect seal of approval. One down, many more to follow. If this was your first time checking us out, then we hope you come back for more. Let us know your thought of the episode by leaving us a quick rating or positive review on Apple, Spotify, Facebook, or via email, gmail.com. Be sure to be on the up and up by following us on social media. We're on x slash Twitter at Film Effect Pod and the Film Effect Podcast everywhere else. And no matter what, we hope everyone listening has a very safe and memorable holiday season. Hopefully, you're spending it with your relatives and loved ones the way it's meant to be spent. At the end of the day, we love each and every one of you. And until next time, I'm Ed.
4: And I'm Jocelyn.
1: And this has been another episode of the Film Effect Podcast. Say goodbye, Sean. All right, gang. We're going to see you all again next time when
2: those theater lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll.
3: All
0: together, that and this is all our tricks. We're making Christmas
2: time. Here comes Jack.
0: I don't believe what's happening to me. My hopes, my dreams my fan to see nice work bone daddy